All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. Should have a good one here tonight. I'm trying to get over the tuberculosis, so maybe I'll be able to... <laughs> everyone else is drinking beer. I got to drink water. I want to... Can't be mixing alcohol with <laughs> drugs. With the medication. No, but... Uh, no, anyway, uh, got uh, Mr. Mookie here, Mr. Gary Colbath, who was uh, a little less than a year ago. Yeah. We did that episode with you over at your place, Nick. May, right? Yep. And then uh, Brian Watkins is here too. So up from up from Los Anchorage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it should be should be a good. You guys just got back from. Uh, you were all on that goat hunt, right down in Kodiak. Yep. So yep. first week of August. Uh, or first week of Mar- March, <laughs> August. We're, we're just talking sheep hunting. We're talking <laughs> exactly. We're talking all. I'm staring at all these sheep, just wishing it was August, but apparently it was. It's still March, and uh, yeah, just came back from what I would have to characterize as a pretty awesome trip to Kodiak. Great time. Yeah, I think we uh, we switched it up this year. Went out on a boat out of Kodiak instead of flying out, and I'd say for a spring hunt, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, good food. Warm place to sleep. Yeah, you guys, because you guys were just basically hunting out of the boat every night, huh? Yep. Drive around in the morning, look for goats, and after breakfast, and Makoto's dad made just an incredible breakfast every morning. (laughs) Apple, cinnamon, waffles, omelets to die for. God. You couldn't even blame it on being hungry from goat hunting. (laughs) I mean, the first day I got up, I didn't do anything the day before. (laughs) And I looked at this omelet, and I'm like... How'd you do this, man? <laughs> I mean, that was the best omelet I've ever had in my life. And yeah. then after that killer breakfast, while you're out glass and goats, you uh, you find something, and and it's like, okay, you know, we can we can maybe make this work. I go into the bunkhouse there, get get my pack, get ready, and there's a brown paper sack uh, sitting next to it with my name on it, a couple of granola bars, a rolled up fresh sandwich, uh, a lunch already made to go, man. fresh stick in your pack. <laughs> so that you can throw your pack on and the boat's waiting yeah. to run you to shore for goats you've already spotted so yeah there was they as far as like how uh in terms of messing around there was none makoto was on the ball like the, yeah the little boat was ready all the time ready for us to you know take us ashore picking us up was a breeze you know communicating with the delorme letting them know we're coming back down or whatever and uh, yeah, it worked out really well. I don't think there was a, like logistically there was nothing. Uh, yeah, to you know, gripe even about. even when we were sort of you know you're you're switching out gear, you're trying to dry something out, or you're trying to do something. You'd look up in the in the front of the ship, and he's up there with you know making sure that everything's going where it's supposed to go or doing what yeah. it's supposed to. I do. I think they kind of ironed out some of the how to do that that trip they did last year because it's it's his boat. Yeah, fit commercial fishing boat, and uh, they yeah, they did that right before we went down there last year. It worked and out. It really worked well. out great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I which I thought I had asked you if you were going with him because I knew you guys were hunting off we, a boat, and I'm like, are you going with Makoto? Or we what? didn't know who was. Oh. Who, we didn't have his number well, till the day before. Oh. <laughs> when, when you let when you let Trevor uh, organize something, you don't get much information. So we just paid him money, and then when we showed up, we figured out who we were going with. I was yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was like, actually dude. nervous. Trevor, Trevor had my money and a, and a, a sheer lack of detail of where any of my money was or what was happening. Yeah. I'm like, well, who are we meeting at the airport? He says, well, I think I'm going to get the guy's name. I'm like, Trevor, it's three days from now. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you think you're going to get the guy's name? Oh, that's funny, man. That's yeah. uh, definitely not. I don't know. I 
I guess we can afford to do that. Well, kind of stuff, like fly by the seat of our pants in. We did. We're experienced you, enough. Yeah, well, we 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 definitely did that a little bit. But uh, you know, we booked through Jeremy yeah. Resync, which um, I don't I don't think if you if you're booking through somebody reputable, you can just yeah. okay. What like you know you know what's gonna yeah, work let, out. Let yeah. Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. You get off the plane though, and Makoto comes up to us in the airport, and you're like, "This guy's a, a savage. <laughs> this guy's badass. Yeah. I mean, he is an yeah. absolute cool dude. Yeah, he was for, awesome for sure. For well, sure. the the first time I met him, well, me and Frank met him in 14, sheep hunting. Yep. Because he had flown up there with Jeremy, and all of us, I think, had killed rams and Makot, except him. We flew back to town, then they came back to town a couple of days later, and he had a gorgeous nice sheep. Yeah. And he had said he had run out of ammo, like hit this thing, run out of ammo, and like, oh. He killed, it, killed, his killed it with his knife. Yeah, yeah. so I guess the story goes <laughs> is he, sh- he shoots it, right, and he hit it, and then he realizes his, his scope got knocked off. So the scope's loose, so every time that's he right. shot it somewhere right. different, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So then he's like, well, he's on this mountain for two days without any food, out there without, you know, barely surviving, and the sheep finally lays down, so he gets up behind it and grabbed it and slit its throat, mm-hmm. I mean... Guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Once I found out who it was, I, the first thing I said was, "You know Frank and Tyler?" And, he, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And it was good. Yeah, knowing mutual you oh, know, people yeah. and stuff, it worked out well. Yeah, and they're uh, you're right. That's sort of a work. In, they're sort of ironing the details out there, and that's a work in progress. But they've got it. They've got it pretty figured out. It was um, good. It was yeah. real good. I mean, it's looking good. Yeah, you drop. It's looking yeah. real good. I don't know what else they have yeah. to iron out. <laughs> no, you that's know, flying had- by the seat of our pants, we did a little bit on, on where we were going, but it wasn't like, you know, with your experiences, Nick, on Kodiak, and Trevor's been to Kodiak a number of times, you've been to Kodiak, so it wasn't like no. we were going somewhere where we didn't know where we were getting into. We just weren't sure quite how we were right. going to end up there, but it they've got it dialed in i think jeremy asked me what you know like con- for constructive criticism yesterday i'm like yeah, i don't i don't have any it was good it was really good yeah like i i can't think of anything that uh that we did that i would be like oh damn you know i wish we could have done this the, you know hunting from coming up from the salt every day does cause some issues just because uh you you're not you're not already at a thousand feet and in watching goats that you know when you wake up in the morning so you're finding them in a different spot every day and then a new new route up the mountain so break that down i guess for people like what how you guys are hunting them so typically when you go goat hunting you know in the spring you're going to be probably coming up from the salt anyhow but what, what that means is you're you're starting out every day at the bottom and you're climbing up the mountain to what you found but if you're in a tent chances are you can't make it across the bay if you see goats over there yep. and you and you really your range is super limited but if you're in the boat like we were you know you wake up when when the sun comes up and you can glass goats and you're able to access all of the all of the area instead of just what's by your tent well i'd say glassing perspective too because when we were oh, big time when we were down there <clears throat> you know we would have to a lot of times find a way to walk back away from the mountain so we could see goats sure because yeah. it's so steep, you you know, you're trying to look straight up and you just can't, you don't have that perspective. Because yep. a lot of this, where these goats are holding up in the spring is not real tall, but like, you know, what when we were there, like 14, 1500 feet tops. Sure, sure. But really nasty stuff coming up out of the ocean. Yeah, and it took me and Trevor three hours to walk 0.9 <laughs> miles. I was <laughs> like, what? I believe it. Yeah. That goat took me took us two hours to get 200 yards from where I shot 
to where she hung up an alder. I don't doubt that. Yeah, yeah that's that rough. Does, that doesn't surprise me. You know, I, I had limited experience with that, what you're just talking about, or having to back off to, to do the glassing. Um, I probably of the all of us had the least amount of goat hunting experience, but I noticed right away just the very first day we spotted these goats um, and we were sort of out in the middle of the bay. We spot these goats. There's clearly a nanny and a kid, but we think there's more than more than that there. And they're bedded on this one really pretty prominent rock. We watched them for quite a while. And then Trevor and I decide, okay, we're going up. So we get our stuff on. We get in the skiff. We go to shore. We, we get off on the shore. And I look at the hill. And I can't even see, see nothing. Not only can I not see the goats that we're going to go after, I can't even see the entire rock formation where we had been watching them, yeah. where they were bedded, everything. And I'm like, holy cow, this looks you know completely different. So then we hacked the raspberry bushes and drug through the alders and lost arrows and you know did the two hour hike. And we get we there's a rock on the horizon that well when we get to the rock you know then we'll be able to mm-hmm. see them and everything will be great and we get to that rock there's a whole second layer of hill that we again couldn't see over yeah that we were like holy cow so by the time we got to that one we peeked over and located the nanny and the kid we're sitting there looking at them and all of a sudden there's nine other goats that we don't see that are like 200 yards away that we you could have never seen unless you were either standing right there or you were a half a mile out into the bay that's yeah. it and i swear if you spot one goat there's 10 with them every time <laughs> it was pretty crazy yeah, I, there was there was always more than one. You yeah. know, when you when you found the one, there was there was more. Hunting from the boat, you're like you're able to get away from what you're glassing and actually look at it. And another nice thing too was when the weather was bad, you were able to glass like out of the cab up top. Or I was opening up the bedroom door and sitting in there, so your stuff wasn't getting wet, and you could still glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it, it 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 was way better than sitting in a tent at the bottom of the the hill because. When I've hunted goats in the spring before, you couldn't even see the mountain from your tent. You had oh, yeah. you had to invest two hours of walking just to get to yeah. where you know you build a glass where where they might be and blind off blind yeah and you're you're just you know pissing up up creek or whatever yeah it was uh, yeah and I guess you know mentioned that that berry brush last year that's it's what miserable you look you're like oh and, and I guess I tend to think everything in like the standards of the cheap country. <laughs> When you fly hunting. over Kodiak from the air, you're looking down. You're like, oh, like, that'll be oh, no yeah, problem. Get up, get up on, get up on that shelf, buzz up on that uh, shelf yeah. in 20 minutes, and blah, blah, blah. you know, no, it's it not. It don't work that way. I know that, that. I hunted uh, Raspberry Island with my dad for elk in 2016, and everybody says it's miserable, and you can't really explain it until I, I kind of tell people you hike through the alders to avoid the raspberry brush. And that's how bad that <laughs> island is. It's all raspberry yeah. bush. It's it's horrible. Well, yeah. and the Sam in. A lot of it's salmon berry brush mm-hmm. too, I think, and that that shit, it looks like oh yeah, just looks bust like a right grass field, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, just uh, brittle little twigs. You should just be able to walk right through that. Yeah, well, when you go, you're going up these steep ass hills, and usually there's some snow in there, and it's like it gives it enough resistance to like it wants to push you off, but yeah. you can't. It's not strong <laughs> enough to grab handfuls of to pull yourself up either. It just yeah. freaking nothing easy about it. Yeah, Nick, Nick and I went, the, the one day we went up together, and you could tell from the boat, oh, we can get up to that spot where we should be able to, you know, make a play on these goats. And there was a long sloping ridge that went up there, and it was three times the walk as if you just went in below them and kind of worked your way up a chute or something. But we could tell, 
there's a trail up that ridge and there's less raspberry so we should go there so we we walked way up there and it was a pretty easy yeah it was a good walk easy walk. easy walk we got up on this ridge we got above the goats we made it all in the end it didn't work quite as good as it should have because i missed but nick was <laughs> much more efficient than me and tum- tumbled one down the hill and that goat probably ended up how far from the salt a third the distance that we were up on that hill yeah. i mean it was much closer to the salt than we were right and, and so we took. we walked all the way we walked all the way back down went to the boat got the skiff you know re- regrouped and then he took us right below where the goat was, and we just had to walk less than a third of the way up the hill to where the goat died. That took us twice right. as long, twice, twice as, as long, long as, the, the as it did height. to walk all the way up that ridge and get above Man. them when we had a trail and just brush. Yeah. Yeah. And and we weren't even trying to then we weren't even trying to be careful or, or we were just trying to get there. And it still took twice as long going through those raspberries and then coming back out. We were both loaded and you know doing the rock hopping game is it better to hop on these big boulders that are slippery with <laughs> yes. snow and risk breaking your leg or is it better to scratch your way through the raspberries with a loaded pack and break your leg <laughs> yeah it was i you know mine that one last year and i'm so glad we didn't because it was with john whipple and he we get up to a spot to shoot and i shoot this goat and he's like you want to shoot another one i'm like uh, i was gonna have him shoot one before i shot another one I mean, thank goodness none of the, you know, we did see one Billy, which I'll get to this in a minute, but I'm saying, I'm so thankful we didn't shoot more than one goat that night because it would, we wouldn't have been able to even put a knife to one till that the next night until the something. next day we'd had to go back. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, packing down through all that brush, we just had to pick a direction and go. And it was like, you know, you hit a couple veins of that big loose boulders, and it's like, do I stay out here in the open and risk breaking my leg? Or, you know, you're going through that, and your headlamp lights up all that brush, and all so, you could see is like, yeah, yeah. it's a pain. I think it's uh, important to note, too, for people that haven't goat hunted, especially Kodiak, that, to note that from the salt means salt water, if anybody doesn't get that. But a lot of people fly on these lakes up on the mountain at 2,200 feet, and <laughs> I don't think they get to experience the goat hunt of the first thousand feet of Kodiak, which is yeah. just brush. And my my first goat hunt down there was in basically the same spot that we went, except it was on a lake up a bunch higher, and there was no brush. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot more fun. The but lake it's I mean, less we, memorable. Yeah, John and I we didn't go through any brush whatsoever on the entire t- entire time. So, but starting from the bottom, you're yeah. going through brush. I don't think no matter where you are, you're, it's going to happen. Yeah, the, how many? Um, fletchings did I lose? I think all of my arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, so uh, so uh, unfortunately, I killed a goat the first the first stock right at the end of the day. I got a couple arrows in the goat and and watched him die. And uh, but I, there was no way to. I had went high enough in the snow and in a sketchy enough situation that uh, I was comfortable, but I wasn't comfortable recovering the goat by myself. Um, as late as it was getting, <laughs> I reach in the the handy pocket where there's always a headlamp a lighter and uh, a spare release and the only thing that's in there is the spare release so no headlamp no, oh, no no lighter and trevor had recognized the two avalanche shoots i skirted around and stayed like a quarter mile down the hill from me terrifying so uh, <laughs> <laughs> brian, from the brian, salt that don't look bad but brian, when you're yeah. up there yeah oh. brian experienced those the next day so so i'm standing there um i arrowed a goat i i hit him i was above him i hit him 
um, I think one lung, but blood all over. Good, you know, he only went 30 yards, bedded down on the ledge. I got on him again, this time at 15 yards, put another, buried another one in him. He ran out into a little slide, snow slide, but real 40-degree angle or some crazy thing and just died right there. And I had no headlamp, no anything, and maybe 45 minutes to dark and maybe an hour and a half walk back without oh. without touching the goat. Yeah. So I decided it's best to get out of here. The snow was deep enough. I was confident I'd, you know, just follow my trail back in there the next day um, and, and get him. And uh, and so um, I walked out of there. And then the next day, Brian and I went up and uh, we, we well, first of all, it, it was good weather the day I shot the goat. The next day we wake up and it's pouring rain down, on oh. the, down, down below. And by the time we get to a thousand feet it's snowing and it's snowing straight sideways you know silver dollar flakes just there's like eight or ten inches my my whole my uh, tracks that were over knee deep before are almost gone oh wow you couldn't look into the wind i mean and so blind you yeah we we went out we we finally made it out uh, much to I think Brian's chagrin. We we made it out to where where the goat had been, and that shoot was just gone. I think the weight of the snow or something. He was gone. He was either he was either buried or or, or I think um, there had been a little bit of avalanche or something, and 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 he had moved. But uh, he, he, he this avalanche was eighty degrees. I mean, I'm clinging onto the side of the mountain. Yeah. My ass was puckered, <laughs> but, but but it was so sketchy that you know you said that what brought up that story is the fletchings. We we turn around and we like just barely creep our way out of there, and it's blizzarding and whatever. And we we get down and we're almost to the bottom, and I'm I'm following Brian, and I'm getting I'm looking at his his bow that's strapped on his pack, and I'm like, holy cow, man! And so I then I see a fletching laying on the ground on the yeah. trail and I can tell it's one that we must have lost on the way up so I picked up put up my teeth and when I caught up to him I go here you're going to want this and I look at his arrows and out of six or seven arrows he's got a total of four single fletchings <laughs> on, on oh. like eight, on like eight arrows three of them are stripped clean and like three of them have, one has two and and a couple of them have one and, yep. and that's it Oh, man. and the bow was pretty protected. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, I think I that raspberry bush just gets in there and knifes them off. I don't know. That it could have been the forty mile an hour wind. It could have been the mm-hmm. sleet. It could have been yeah, uh, definitely a combination of things. But uh, it's it's a rough hike. So from, that, from the bottom up every day. Yeah. yeah. That next morning, we look up at the avalanche chute, and it's gone. <laughs> like there isn't any snow. It's in the bottom of the valley where we were right. just side hilling across. It's, it's it was a, scary. It's extended. From where from where it stopped at lower elevation, the day I shot the goat to where it was the next day, it's three hundred yards farther down the oh, hill. Oh man! Mm-hmm. The day Nick Our and I mark. were on the hill, we watched how many avalanches go? Ten, fifteen. That R- was rumbling cool. all around us. That yeah. one you pointed out, Nick. That it, it looked like a waterfall coming down the mountain for what thirty <laughs> seconds, a while, maybe yeah. a minute. Yeah, rolling rocks the size of Volkswagens. Yeah, there was a couple spots I saw in. Uh, in that bay we hunted on the real because you guys they were cruised through they there. were in the bay that we went to the day we left the bay we were in and went to another one they hunted in there and they hunted on that the face with that nasty ass rock that when we when we, me and makota went by it and he was just like salivating looking at it but 
because it looks like a great spot to go goat hunt, but the weather was just shit the day we went. But just for reference, that's yeah. Where we killed one goat on that, but on that face, I remember as we're walking just the tide line, doing our best to glass what we could see straight <laughs> up. I can't was believe you could a see. Bad trick on you guys? I can't believe you guys could see anything well, from what, the bottom there. We would part of what we would do is look down. Oh, go back and look. Yeah, you know, while we would look as we're working our way down that shoreline, look down and we could see goats yeah you know, i'm sure we missed some and but instead of straight up but there was a couple avalanche shoots all the way down to the water sure. just rock and that bay was substantially more brushy than where we hunted and oh, we had a lot gotcha. I mean, we had a good amount of brush but nothing like yeah that. it was <laughs> no it was bad well the, yeah. the goat john killed because we're seeing goats up there and it's just like there's just no we can't like it there's no way you know you get up there and it's all like that face is all Nasty. super steep yep. and we finally found a hurt a, a group of them that yeah wandered dangerously low and I, i'm sure they were in there when we went through but uh the ceiling was super low and it was just a nasty day the yeah. seas were high I, I everybody was kind of getting sick i think gary spent most of the day in the bed that day because he was chumming sick. a little bit yeah. i don't think anyone puked though uh, no i took a nap for sure I, I, was I, had, woozy. I, I had i had one i think tuesday i was done i could i, I didn't i did a little bit in the morning and then i, I had to go to bed because i the patches that we had, mine came off in the middle of the night, and then in the morning I noticed it was off, and so when I put a new one on, it they take three hours to kick in, but by oh. then I was just it was done. Yeah, see, I always <laughs> there's no way to when I was down on a, or spent time down on a fog neck, I always used that motion ease stuff, that liquid you put behind your ears. Oh, I think that was the same it. thing, but it was just a patch for oh. we used that uh, scope scope or something scope of me i don't know that, that stuff because i will get seasick bad me too and on a 10 hour boat ride you would have got seasick oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know that that just highlights how the value of that boat that was sort of in the middle of the week and it was a day when in the bay we were hunting the ceiling was really low the wind was up it was it, it was pretty miserable glassing and makoto was like hey let's run out and run around the corner and get a fresh look at, at something different. And if, yeah. if, if it pans out, it does. If it doesn't, but you guys, none of you guys are eager to go jump on the shore and walk up the hill blind. Let's uh, let's take a look at some different country. And yep. it, it could have very well, like Nick said, there was probably goats there. And it certainly could have worked out that we spotted a bunch of goats. We went down there. We checked it out. Um, nobody really saw anything that, that was great. And so... Um, Yet that same day, we're back around the corner. That, and that was Thursday. So that was the day you shot your goat, Gary, that night when we came back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, it was. You were sick all day, and then you got up, and you went. That, yeah. It was Thursday. Well, yeah, you spotted those goats up there. They were right along that cliff. And Yeah, yeah. I woke up and was feeling better. I was yeah. like, uh, who's going to go up the hill in the rain? And I said, well, it's not getting any closer. Yeah. That was, that was one of the funnest goat retrievals ever i mean it, this is a boulder field the whole way up so you're not in brush but you're on these volkswagen size i mean just yeah. boulders kind of picking your way through and gary we went up solo and he shot it what 20 minutes before dark yeah and we just anchored there and watched for the headlight headlines because yeah. you could see it no problem and luckily that where you shot that goat he fell or she fell or whatever towards you yep. instead of you didn't have to go up and nothing it was right, right there on the edge of the rock slide it was perfect yep brian made it to me just like i was like uh i took some selfies because i don't think we're gonna have time for any pictures in the dark and we didn't and he, he got to me right you know right as it was getting dark and we broke it down real quick and it, with with two headlamps and two guys it worked good and then it, yeah. it was a bunch of fresh snow on this boulder field so it was it was 
real slow going but like like we said it was it was we were just having fun it wasn't too cold that's the other thing when you start oh, every day when you're dry oh yeah and with with good dry stuff yeah. it's it changes it, your your attitude can be so much better or you can just be so much more comfortable because like that i shot that goat right at the end of the day and i i'd only been out it was nasty nasty weather but i'd only been out three hours everything was still my feet were warm everything yeah. was still dry i was like comfortable yep. so we started down the hill but we were laughing and just taking our time through hey yeah. what do you think about this route no i don't see that oh the, careful of that rock and we were just laughing and bsing all the way down the hill and it was real slow but you could see the boat lights on there we knew that they were uh steaming crab yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were we, we, as soon as we got down, we were going to change into Crocs and dry clothes and sit down at a table and tell the story. We, it just made it. It just changes your attitude. It was oh, so yeah, well, it was you, so nice. You know, people fun. think, oh, well, I, I might not want to. Oh, that's a lot of climbing every day, but it's a lot easier to climb every day when you got a belly full of good food. You're not sleeping yeah. in a tent. Yeah, yeah. and when you dry, and, well, yeah. th there's two things worth mentioning. When you know that there's an animal, like if you spotted them, it's way more motivating for you know to get your ass up the mountain because mm -hmm. yeah. you know there's something up there that you can go after. And then uh, the other thing is, I don't think I would ever advocate for people goat hunting from the salt out of the same tent. No, because you're you're essentially limited to the same group of mountain goats, right? Yeah. But if you're four people in a boat and you, we all hunted different goats every day. Yeah. Like I think in that bay we found, you know, it's been one, two, three, maybe like six different spots that had goats. Yeah. We probably saw yeah. fifteen to twenty-five goats a day, yeah. if not more. Yeah. That and it, for being six four, it's really awesome to get out of your sleeping bag and stretch yeah. yeah there's nothing better than standing straight up and down yeah and the, the i really know what that is like right too don't <laughs> yeah and the the you know he had six bunks in there so we had there was just four people so plenty of room to store all your gear like oh yeah i was worried each person brought you know two bags or three bags and a bow case and gun case and whatever and there there was no like issue with you know storage of our shit while nice. we were hunting either yeah freezer a freezer a on freezer the, on the boat freezer on the boat um, yeah. just the whole thing was um it's uh i i told a couple people about the trip and they were like oh you you know you could fly in a lot cheaper than that and first of all i'm not sure that that's true and more importantly in the, you just have to look at the big picture because from a from a big picture standpoint i think it was only a few hundred dollars extra it was not that much extra and in retrospect, every dollar was worth ten. To we me. ate crab we, scampi one yeah. night. If you bring that <laughs> argument, I'm bringing up crab scampi. All right. <laughs> if, uh, if you if if you could fit three or four people with you know limited gear into a beaver, it would it obviously that would be way cheaper. But like I said, you're not you wouldn't want to hunt four people out of uh, salt based camp. Yeah. camp. I, I yeah, I think it'd be you'd, it wouldn't be very fun be fun maybe but you're not going to be as successful as hunting different goats every day but when it comes down to the price um i i, I and trevor i think he agreed and i bet you would agree like it was a little bit more than what you would have paid individually for a, a fly out with two people yeah but you're getting sounds like you're getting a heck of a lot more well i didn't have to pick i didn't have to pack any food well yeah. I, I did bring snicker bars absolutely <laughs> absolutely if you don't bring snickers bars you're a psychopath but other than that we didn't bring any food really oh, i brought nice. some jerky we'll see that's you know can end up being two 250 bucks yep. well you think right five there. bucks a mountain house i mean you're or eating, more yeah. yeah three a day Eight 15 bucks, bucks yeah. seven days i didn't have to bring a bunch of propane for a buddy heater i didn't yeah. have to, it was really freaking nice it was good yeah yeah <laughs> 
and now and they just extended in the board of game uh, meeting today the the season next year will go to the 31st of march instead nice. of just the 20th so that's pretty cool they also did talk about that nanny well so yes proposal. so now um what was accepted today was um instead of being able to shoot two goats down there on the, with the rg480 tag you can yeah. still shoot two goats but the second one has to be a nanny one of the two one has of to be the two nanny, has yeah. to be a nanny. yeah see i and that's one thing i was going to bring up and ask you you know like how many how many billies you guys were seeing i know when we were in it it's we were only seeing a very limited portion and you know, we saw last year, I only saw for sure two goats that were for sure Billy, you know, I'm sure we were seeing some younger Billies, yep. but you know, I'm not the best at telling always, you know, it was like that Billy out there. That's a Billy for right. sure. And you kind of, it's when you're looking at nannies and you see one of those, you know, what it I, is. Nick and I saw a cranker. Yeah. Yeah. We saw one, the one Trevor, <laughs> that one I guess nice. missed, but shot a rock. Yep. Um, that was a big goat and then i got on to the first day that initially i thought were nannies and now the more i thought about it after the fact there was no kids with them i think they were both billies uh, too but I, I didn't get you know i got three or four hundred yards from them but it was snowing and stuff and when they started moving up i i just i don't know for sure, it's not like it matters but i know that fishing game has been like even last year they were talking about how they can get more nannies killed because even well, with the two goats there's been a lot of guys that go or go down and you know just because traditionally, that's what you do. You shoot billies. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Brian today, shot a billy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. And I, I think if it's a, con a conservation issue, right, because you want to shoot nannies if you want to control the population, if that's the issue, I think it's a great proposal. And that's what L I think they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what they're looking I, at. Listening to it today, that's absolutely what they want. They think there's too, you know, maybe a little bit too many goats. And if people are just focusing on shooting billies... Um, I don't believe there's a whole hell of a lot of people shooting two goats anyhow. So yeah. I don't know that I don't know what it will help, but I at least it's a step. It's if if they want to reduce the population. Yeah, the guy testifying Saturday was on the Kodiak uh, AC, and he said what what they what their intent was was they didn't know the ceiling cap for population because the goats have never taken a crash, so they don't want to get to that ceiling cap where then the goat population will crash. So that's what they want to kind of manage it for a level that's right. a, not going to be a biological concern. And and like you said, I mean, you're seeing goats every day. And it's if, not you think, if you think about where we saw the goats, we only saw them on the bay-facing slopes. Mm -hmm. So what would how many goats are there on the on the range right behind them that has goat habitat? You know, And it's common knowledge that pretty much all goat habitat on Kodiak is inhabited by goats yeah. at some point. You yeah, know? and I think they that was what they were talking last. Like the feds are worried about those goats getting to a point where they're overgrazing and destroying habitat you know and affecting other other critters and then the state also the state is looking at it more they don't want a big population crash because they're going to get blamed yeah. for it mm -hmm. yeah so you know it's something that they're <coughs> trying have been trying to curtail so that's that's nice to see them taking steps but yeah they're they have a quota in mind but they they've never, never met, met it. it not even close it doesn't sound like right. so well one th one thing that proposal would prevent is you know if you do have somebody goes down there and they decide they want to shoot a billy so they they target that first and they they kill a big billy if they happen to find you know any kind of bachelor group where they have it, it'll prevent that guy from taking out a nice billy and then saying well man i want another one of these and on the same trip hunting around and taking out two big mature I, billies i'm on the fence and if i agree with what they did or not just because <laughs> i would like the opportunity to shoot two billies but that yeah. that i guess 
is exactly what what they're trying to curtail. So maybe yeah. there's, there's always next year for you greedy, yeah, no. greedy guys. It's, yeah, you, it is what it is. Greedy guys like the guy that after my well my sheep hunt article after I got ten that the was some. Uh, some, what do you need another Canadian one guy. for? Yeah, or you know, I don't know how many times he called me a pig. It was a le- it was an email to the editor, That's and what? he apparently didn't realize that they would just forward it to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was upset that I was taking. Yeah. Well, you've all but decim- my legal, decimated my, the sheep population yeah, in my, Western Alaska. So yeah. I don't. I just got to say, sitting below eight sheep right now, I, I'm in awe. <laughs> <laughs> That's badass. Um, more yeah, house. I can honestly say I've not seen this many feral coral rams in my entire life in the wild, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, do do doing my best. Um but which uh what the heck? I think if you're doing good things, you're always going to have a hater, so good on them for writing you <laughs> yeah, cuz yeah. now you know you're doing good things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I it, overall though, um Brian, you shot a nice billy, and that was an interesting day, too. Like, I went up in the morning, and I, did you go up somewhere else that day, or was that the Yeah, I spotted the first goat, and I beat myself up. And oh, that's right, I yeah. I got my, got my butt kicked getting across, thinking I'm going to stalk this he thing was, with a bow. I sound he was like a low. freight train. That was the coming. lowest goat we saw, yeah. too. But when we came back to look, like, when we after we dropped Brian off, we went and dropped you and Trevor off, Gary, and you guys went up and did your thing. And when I came back, I couldn't find Brian or the goat. Yeah. It was that raspberry bush, I'm and like, I'm just shit. pushing through. I probably sound like a grizzly bear. He's so <laughs> we went down and uh, spotted two others. They dropped me off. I went up, messed that one up, came back down, and then picked Brian up. And Gary and Trevor were still, that, that mountain takes forever to get up and down and whatever. Picked up Brian, and then we went down to this crack. There was a, a crack cut in the like side of the mountain, perfect spot to find a goat, right? And mm-hmm. um, sure as shit, there was, we saw one in there. Mm-hmm. And I told Brian, I said, if you go up there and shoot him, just holler back and I'll come up and help you pack him out, you know? So he went up there and I go up there. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets kind of crazy. <laughs> so where I went, you could see a deer trail going straight up this mountain, and it, it was a perfect trail. I mean, yeah. got up there, what? half hour maybe yeah easy hike yeah easy hike and so i get up and there's two nannies two kids and and a random and what i kind of found out you know elk are like brighter the bulls are brighter than the cows usually yeah it it seemed like almost opposite the the uh, nannies were like brighter than the billies and i'm like man that's a dark darker goat and i'm watching it and then the two yeah like a yellow the two kids go with the nannies so i'm like oh that's that's the one i'm gonna take so i shoot and uh (laughs) And I hit it, and it started running, so I kind of rolled with the shot, trying to chase it, and when I did, my scope got a little close to my nose, and you oh, could yeah, see I, I still got a scope. You just hammered yourself. Oh, yeah, oh, so man. now there's blood everywhere. My pack's <laughs> covered. My right eye, I can't see out of, so I'm, like, brushing the blood off, and then the goat goes in the alders, and so I tried to get another one, and I could tell it was hit. It was kind of bedded up, and so I shoot and shot, and, yeah, I shot again. <laughs> and uh, well, finally the the Billy comes out, and I he came out. I hit him four or seven times, and I called back to the boat. I said, "Did you hear that shot?" They said, "We heard a couple." I said, "That's good." <laughs> oh, <laughs> you notice yeah. he said four of yeah. seven. Yeah, <laughs> at the time I was a little bit shy about it, but yeah, that's good. Couple shots. Yep. So man, we uh, yeah, that's oh yeah. I saw that. Forgot about that. I saw that picture, which that's the everybody gets that 
at least once. Have you had any other bad scope? Oh, I've had it three or four times. <laughs> I've never had. You've never really? had a, a bad scope bite? I've had once. No. Nope. Was that moose that's that European mound moose on the wall around the corner I, I th- there? I, th- I, I always think about my, like, you know, stock placement and, and how hard, you know, make sure there's, you know, good pressure because... Well, see, I, and that was it. Was on a subsequent shot. I was going to say the first shot. Because you're the always first set. shot, I was you know it was the it was the first big yeah, game animal I, I guess, ever killed. Yeah, you the could, first shot, you know, everything's all right dialed, and then second yeah, shot, then your heart starts racing. And, <laughs> oh shit! Get another one, you know, and then you mm-hmm. just kind of forget to hold on to the gun. Yeah, <laughs> your face will stop it. But sheer panic. So you saw you saw the picture that that I got to see in person that. Eventually, after all that <laughs> melee, they picked me up. That was the night I shot my goat and got out of there late and got down. So I'm the last one to the boat, and it's dark. And I step off the skiff onto the boat, and Brian comes walking up. And I, I had thought somebody had got something. And Brian comes walking up. He's just two big dried blood rings <laughs> under, <laughs> under his eye and blood way up up to his hat line. And I'm like, Oh, you are are you all right? Do we need? I thought we might be headed back to Kodiak here. What's going on? And yeah. he's like, ah, I got one. I'm like, ah, it looks like it. Looks like I got you too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that ended up being a cool spot because you you guys went back there the next day with Trevor and he had a two days two, later. Two, yeah. Two days later. And so was, we spotted a lone goat and went up with the bows. Those yeah. guys had the rifle. They were going the one you ended up shooting, Nick. And so we spot this goat and the mountain was where we where the goat was was almost like a step down. Like uh-huh. every 15 yards, it would drop another 15 feet, and we hiked up. That's the spot. It took three hours to go 0.9 miles, and we got up, and just as we're cresting one of the little lookout points, we see the butt end of a goat, and instead of facing the valley, he was facing back towards the mountain. Like, yeah. head right into the wall. Yeah, oh. it was really, really odd. So Trevor went to go to the right where he could get a shot at the vitals, and I came to the left where we thought its escape route would be, and so I actually sat there at full draw thinking if trevor doesn't get it it's coming yeah and uh i looked to the right and trevor's on his butt well when he was going over he started sliding tried to catch himself and fell down and he had one of those uh uh goat pictures on the front of his bow oh the, yeah the, the ultimate predator thing, it's yeah. called or something so the, the goat was kind of looking at that and when he fell he kind of tweaked it and so the goat instead of running up the trail took like a 30 foot leap off a cliff and was gone and that shit's brushy fucking nasty yeah. ass rock it's bad yeah and that goat was, just you weren't barreled it was nuts yeah you weren't getting a second but yeah we were 10 yards from it man that so close. so apparently this goat that bedded facing into the hill completely opposite of what any goat should do knew exactly what it was doing yeah <laughs> knew these two guys were coming from the uphill direction yeah. not uh, not up that cliff below him and he also knew that his escape route was just as likely instead of going up that deer trail to just launch off the edge yeah because he disappeared and you guys never even seen him really get out of there did you? i he saw just... a glance of him down below because trevor said he's going and i thought right on here he comes and he goes no like so i jump over oh, the look man. over the cliff and he and was gone he was gone yeah and uh, it was just slick up there and took a little slide. That was it. We even had our Cthulhu's on. But <laughs> What's really funny is in five days, four people shot four goats with one rifle. Yeah. <laughs> like old Sarah Palin. That <laughs> beat up piece of shit. <laughs> was it like Makoto's rifle? Dude, this, no, it was his rifle. Oh. And it was, it, that thing is dirty. I, I won it at an RMF convention when I was eight. And uh, it's killed every every species in Alaska. Uh, it's mean, it's a rough looking gun. Shoot but straight, she worked, though. Oh, it shot straight for yeah. me. Uh-uh. 
I question that. But it, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Gary and the day Gary and I went up, we sat on these goats for it seemed like forever, a couple hours, maybe I don't know, yeah, maybe it seemed like a couple hours. I don't, I don't know, maybe I got impatient after twenty minutes, but it seemed like a couple hours. But there was a Billy bedded, then I can only see his neck and his head. Yeah, and then there was another goat that I thought was also a Billy because I. So it had I. it had it had long it looked like it had long horns they were longer than its ear and everything you know it's just the way it was sitting and everything I'm, anyhow I got impatient I was plan was to wait for the billy to stand up and, and shoot him then quick give Gary the gun mm-hmm. to shoot the other one and uh, after a few hours of just like you know what that one looks fine I'll just shoot that one and so I did and then I gave the gun to Gary and he had a I'm not going to say it was perfect but it was perfect shot at the billy <laughs> and that didn't work out but long story short we walk over and it, you know the one i ended up killing ended up being a nanny and i wish i would have waited but um it worked I, I mean fun day yeah it was a good time so the only one that the bow one was that one that got lost in the avalanche yeah yeah so i didn't recover yeah and that was a unfortunately i mean i i had laid um that that was a goat trevor and i we're we're stalking this group of goats we we thought it was three or four we bumped them it was 11 there was two good two good billies and i think a couple at least a couple more billies in that group um they went way up high in the snow and that's where i went along those you know pretty sketchy snow things and whatever but i found them all bedded in some rocks but and i got around the back side of them and and almost above them but one of the nice billies was sort of the century you know up on the point out in front of things and i uh i ended up getting lined up on him going rock to rock till about 100 yards and then belly crawling in the snow to a rock and i laid um 15 yards from him for 40 minutes in the snow <laughs> and i could see him that i i could see him out of one eye behind the rock and he was snowing pretty good but you know i laid there 15 yards so i I'm real confident he was a, a nice good, good yeah, 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 a nice, probably a nine-inch billy, nice, sure, good long hair, you know, everything. That's the one I ended up shooting. And to answer your question, yeah, he's the one that hooked around and and got below me. I shot him again. He went in the snow, and that's and, the only one we didn't recover. And that day, there was substantially less snow than every day after that, right? And uh, you know it became apparent that there was probably only one area that you were going to get another good bow stock in. And that was that yeah. crack that crack. Cause there was no snow, really no snow there it was low. Yeah. Everything else that we were seeing that were, you know, on the bay side of the mountain, you, there was no way to get really up above them and come down. Cause there's too much snow yeah. or it was too steep to really to navigate it. And then the, you know, the, the spot where we kept seeing those five or six where you stalked the first one the first day, Brian, mm-hmm. the only way to get to them was to come around from the other side and there was just a shitload of snow. And then you had to, you would have had to walk through a little crack. It, it wouldn't have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and especially, you know, it's trying to do it with a bow, it just, uh, we found out, <laughs> but Trevor waited till the last day to get the deed done, and yeah. you guys ran up there blind. But, that was fun. We yeah. went up in the dark and just shot up that mountain. The goats <laughs> were coming down low. I mean, we were trucking. and uh, goat- try and catch them when they're way down low? Yeah. Well, they would come. They, they were down to where they probably were the first day mm-hmm. yeah. when, you, when they went up, and then... Well, it snowed another foot. I mean, those goats, where we saw them, they were chest deep in snow. I was up to my hips, Jeez. and... Uh, 
Yeah, we just luckily too. I forgot my binos, like the smart guy I am, and we saw him skylined and came right over to him. And the first one we saw was the big Billy again. The guy's got nine lives. I mean, he is a cat. <laughs> He's nuts. But we get up to him, and that Billy goes, and then a couple more nannies, and Trevor's getting ready to shoot one, and it was small, so he said, nah. And then the next one that came was a nice nanny, you know, the, the one he ended up shooting, and uh, he made a great shot. I mean, broke its back. It started tumbling, and I go to grab a rifle thinking I'm going to get on the other goats that are there, and I go running. I trip over a rock. I'm somersaulting <laughs> down this mountain. The goat's rolling next to me. I mean, it was a hoot. We were watching it all in the binoculars, and uh – from from a distance, it looked like the goats were just walking up the hill, and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, but they weren't walking, or they were walking, but the reason why they weren't running is because they couldn't. You know, they were up to their mm -hmm. chests as well Jeez. in the snow, and just, they went all the way to the top. Just plowing In a, a straight yeah, line, yeah. just like, you know, a bunch of fucking pack goats going up a mountain. It was right. crazy. Our, our idea of, oh, this time of year, they'll all be down, you know, they'll all be down low. Don't even worry about looking for them in the snow. Why would they be up in the snow? Uh, wrong, well, in, wrong theory they were i mean in, <laughs> there was in, some down, yeah but. I, I mean but in reality that you know they were lower in terms of being closer to the bay i think too because all those mountains back that were covered in snow they uh, that's that's where that's yeah. where they're going to be in august september october right, right. but yeah they well, still aren't afraid to i think send too it. the week before is really nice out so i think it that melted nice. the snow line up so these goats started getting higher and higher and then yeah. the whole week we were there it snowed so they started pushing down so we, i think we just kind of didn't it's, it's didn't all about timing time. and it always seems like no matter what you do you're a, you're week, a week late, late or a week early like mm -hmm. yeah should have been there next week like last week. year because last year when they did that trip they got all the goats on the boat whole yeah oh man yeah, <laughs> and we were coming down. I was coming down like the next week, and I'm like, "All oh, this is gonna be money," <laughs> and and it was good, you know. But the snow was just melting more and more every day. Goats are getting higher yeah. and higher, so it was. Uh, nah, but no, I'm just jealous. I. <laughs> it it was fun. It was a good time. I think money well spent. And it was a you know like, like logistically that trip went off without a hitch. The the way home they were. Um, projecting twenty foot seas, and none of us were too freaking keen on riding. 10 I was getting plus sick hours. on it too. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you know, there's big waves out in the out in the head, of, you know, not the head of the bay, but the mouth of the bay, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. And we're like, "What are these?" And he's like, "Oh, they're probably two foot." I'm like, "These are two foot. Yeah. Take me fucking back. <laughs> Let's go the other way. Right. We'll survive on crabs for the week yeah. until it goes back to nothing." Like, oh my god. So yeah, they were they were projecting twenty foot, and I don't think it actually happened. Mm -mm. Um, when we flew back, the water, you know, they took us to uh, airstrip and got got picked oh, gotcha. up and flew back. And Greg said they were eight foot when they were going home. He said they weren't bad. Yeah. But yeah, bull. <laughs> we didn't even get to talk about the crab though. So oh, you, yeah. you set a crab yeah. pot noon the day before, and the next day you pick it up midday. You know everybody's grabbing uh -huh. lunch or people are up on the mountain, and you get what twenty twenty five crabs, and then size restrictions five and a half inches across like their body. So we'd get three, four, sometimes six crabs a night. So like Man. not only that, but you'd eat this amazing dinner they can't cook, and then he's like, "You want dessert?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's for dessert." Crab. I'm like, "Oh man!" So then you gorge on your crab. I thought I'd gain weight by the end of it. I mean, it was good. Oh, it was so good. No question on the food. We had ribs one night, mm -hmm. venison one night, yep. halibut, salmon. I've heard that. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's almost plenty of exceptions. I've heard from some guys that some boats that do good 
them commercial fishing guys like they know how to cook give them good food you know because (laughs) what else is there when you're right burning it at both ends and yeah his his dad um greg was his name he did all the cooking and everything and man he was he was actually he was a pleasure to be around and then on top of that you know he took care of us pretty well he's a minister out of maine and i mean just a positive attitude great an amazing person well, he, was, he was he was ex- as excited for any yeah. of us even even when you didn't get something just when you were going on the stock he was as excited as mm-hmm. if he was going up the hill yeah, super nice um, guy it was great i'll tell you uh i mean um now, and you just can't say enough about uh, Mak- about makoto i i had a bunch of pictures of him of course and when i got back i was showing my wife some pictures and she looks at this picture of makoto and she goes that was your boat captain she goes you trusted that guy and i was like well you know we saw him at the airport and it didn't take me very long to talking with him that you know i knew he was hunter i said but uh, i mean a good uh, i could just tell he was a guy you, you you would be comfortable in the mountains with but right away on the boat um i also knew that i would be comfortable with him out in the water but if there was any question about it what what locks the deal is one day i go out uh uh, onto land and you know do the hunt i can't remember whether it was the day nick and i i think it was the day that nick shot his goat so we we went up shot the goat came back went around recovered the goat we come back we get back to the boat and we're putting our stuff away and nick's kind of tending to his goat and makoto comes walking up out of the bottom of the hole of the boat and he's got scuba gear and he's starting oh, oh i forgot he, about this and he start and he's starting to put this scuba gear on and i look at him and his dad's kind of messing around with some stuff and and lowering the winch on this on the skiff and and talking to makoto about well is this going to be enough and I, I said oh oh what's going on here <laughs> and, and he says makoto says oh we lost the anchor and i said well, what do you mean we lost the anchor? Well, yeah, when we pulled in to pick you guys up, it stripped I, the freaking cable, broke the, the I, three uh, quarter inch cable in yeah, half. Yeah, I was oh. I was drop, you know, was bringing it up or dropping it down or trying to set it or something, and it stripped this cable out, broke off, dropped it in ninety five feet of water, and I was like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'll just swim down and get it. Jeez. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I'll just swim down and get it. And then he puts a puts a wetsuit on and his dad says now do you want me to go out in the skiff no well just put the skiff away i'll just go from here and he sits down on the edge of the boat and looks at his dad puts the thing in his mouth and gone gone off the side of the boat (laughs) no lights no nothing it's almost getting dark finds this thing in five minutes yeah he's he's down there swimming around and all of a sudden up he comes with a rope in his mouth and next thing you know he's handing the rope up to his dad his dad's hoisting him in the boat he gets off kind of shakes off like a duck goes and attaches his rope and up comes the thing and he goes oh yeah while i was down there i looked for some sea cucumbers and i checked out this and whatever he said didn't take me very i just got to where i thought it would be and started a grid pattern and found it and i'm like this is the guy you want when things go wrong at sea because and and he acted he acted no different than if you had like dropped your cell phone between your seats and you had to pull (laughs) over and look for it retrieve it and then get back on the road it was just it was just one of those things that oh Shit happens, and you're out at sea, so what do you do? You fix it. And, well, and it, it was nothing. What was super considerate of him, and I didn't think about it at the time, but thinking about it now is like he we lost that anchor that, that morning, and he, we still drove around all day and hunted, and we got it, it didn't take any 
anything away from us at all, like, you know, time loss or whatever. He did it that evening. He came back, you know, that night when, he marked when it we with were a done. Buoy. He marked like, it with a buoy and then came Man, back. what a... I didn't think about how yeah, uh, I didn't considerate that, that was. But. So, yeah, I had not heard that, yeah. but you tell me that. <laughs> knowing him, it doesn't surprise me nope. a bit. Like, he's a... See, I mean, just, like, super level-headed... Yeah. I have to hunt with that guy. That's what I said when I was doing with Dakota. We're hunting together. Yeah. Done. I mean, it Done just, did, it, I just was in awe. I was like, it did not phase him. It was literally <laughs> like, you know, changing a light bulb. It was just, oh, it's what we got to do. We need that anchor. I got to go get it. I got the gear. See you later. I was, and, he had and a vague how, idea of where it was because of where the boat was uh, floating, you know, throughout the night on the anchor, right? And then it broke when he tried to pull it up. Well, no, he, he laid it down, it broke, and immediately, once it broke, when he was pulling it up, he threw over a buoy, like instinct, boom, two seconds, buoy's on the side. Because uh, I saw him throw, me and Trevor were up top hunting, or me and you were maybe, I forget, and I looked down, and I said, that's a weird spot to put a crab pot. Oh, good and point. I went okay. up, and, and he said, oh, I broke the anchor, immediately threw it. Because I remember looking on the screen, and you could see where we were floating that whole evening. Mm-hmm. So maybe he did, maybe it was both, but mm-hmm. you, you could see all the yellow lines, like where you were floating around the anchor mm-hmm. and shit. He but, he knew that I would go out to sea with that guy and be comfortable. Well, the thing, too, with him being a hunter was, like, his timing was always perfect he'd be like all right these guys are up the mountain they'll be back in two and a half hours and yeah he's there at two hours and 15 minutes so it, the hunting aspect of him was also key to us being there yeah, was he, there was no you know horse cockery it was really good like yeah he, logistically i i you know, can't i'm going really, back next spring I, I, i'm going like march to, march yeah. the last well, week of but, march yeah. now that's 31st yeah might be good <laughs> that'll be the week of the blizzard yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i'm down though that was fun we did have fun. We we had our two best days in the snow, I think, for yeah. me and you going up the. Oh, I'll never forget that that avalanche shoot. That's for sure. <laughs> I would never forget that. <laughs> yeah, well, they say it's not goat hunting unless you're afraid for your life at least once, right? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. But yeah. yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I haven't been doing fun anything. little trip. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. There's nothing to do this time. You're nothing to hunt. So right before spring bear, which yeah, I was gonna say, which is, it's another reason I'm glad they pushed it to the end of March because mm-hmm. like should be gets rid of cabin like fever. A great little you don't. Ha- it doesn't even and doing it on the boat like that doesn't even have to be whatever you want it to be. You could go do the you know if you want it to be the extreme. There's lots of ways know, to do it. Yeah, bivy bivy backpack classic goat hunt. You can do that, but. It's just it's just a really cool opportunity, I think. Heck yeah, one of the great... it's the only opportunity for goats that late, and how all of the hides were super long. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, I mean, nice. I, I would assume that if you shot one in November, it would probably be the same length. You know, well, but... I think, and what I've heard is what some of them get, and I've seen some of them get patchy later in the spring. It's from laying down in the snow and ice over and over, and getting up Ripping and pulling hair out. Yeah. But yeah, they, I mean, they all look good. I mean, as you know, if you've been down there in March and looked at them through the binoculars, they look pretty damn nice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, but yeah, did you uh, is your have your hands healed up? No. Yet. No. Uh, my left thumb is killing me. I've got fucking cuts all over my hands. I just got rid of four pieces of Devil's Club today. This has nothing to do with Kodiak and everything oh, really? to do with pike fishing on Saturday, uh, Friday. No, we went on Saturday. We went on Friday. I thought we went on Saturday. That's right. Yeah. And uh, 
we caught so many I'm damn pike. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Monday was... it was a yeah. Today's Tuesday, right? Today's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You okay. just had pike delirium from catching so many. Apparently, it was absolutely the most. Inc- okay, so I've ice fished since I was a kid, and I remember catching, you know, having fifty days, you know, fifty fish a day like perch or bluegill, which is nonstop. But those things don't fight. But we each caught that many pike oh, at through least the 50. ice, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And you guys caught some hogs. Oh my too. god, it was so good. It was. It was like. Uh, <laughs> I looked at that one picture and I was like, look at these guys all taking a picture with the same fish. <laughs> no, no, every single one of those fish was different. I right? know. Well, then yeah. I got to looking at them and I could tell they were all different. I'm like, God, they're all catching big yeah, ones. I sent a, you know, a bunch of them to my dad and he asked me the same thing. He's like, those aren't all the same fish, are they? I said, no, they're all different. You know, yeah. I'm not sending any, any doubles whatsoever. Yeah, it was really good though. Oh my God, that was incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd, I'd actually brought the recording stuff down there, but it was too. It was too good to Stop. waste time podcasting. It was. Like, it was literally you would you drop your lure down the hole, and if you didn't have a bite within five or ten seconds, no shit, or maybe thirty, whatever, you were at the wrong depth, or your bait was gone. It was one or it was one or the other, right? If you found you found the right depth and stuff, you'd drop it down there. You'd have a nibble right away. It or sometimes so you do that, and that's like, all right, well then give it like a couple quick cranks and then stop and yep. then wham they'd hit it or and we each had two holes about 10 yards apart um for each of us you know so if if you dropped it down there wasn't a fish there you'd move 10 yards away quick drop it on that one boom fish so, out so had you tyler had you fished that spot this year this spring just like a week before and was it like that it was good it wasn't that good yeah, do you, I mean, we did. Is there something special you attribute to this? Oh, was it just one of those magical days that no, it, it was, was on? I think or? it was just a good day, you know. Yeah, because you'll go through periods where it'll slow down. You know, the bite will slow down. You know, the fish are around. They're there, but uh, yeah, I mean, because the first we uh, the first time we went, we hammered. We just hammered them in the morning, and then the afternoon slowed way down. Got basically trickled off to nothing. And then we started. The first spot we tried, we were there for like 20, 15 minutes, and we're like, nah, this should be should be better. We think we caught one fish, and like, yep. nah, let's move. And then the second spot, we started, we got into them pretty good for a few hours, probably. And then it maybe died off for just a real little bit, and, and then, then it like, was oh, just... Let, and then let, we're like, let's move again, and we moved again, and then just hammered them. Where was this? I thought we were in the same spot. Well, we, we just fished... We started out fishing just. Oh, for that's like, right. Good point. Yeah. When then we went to where that guy was hanging out. We went back to. Okay, you're yeah. right. And we caught a shitload of fish there. Oh yeah, for hours. Right, and before then, it died off. And then we just moved. You know, maybe a mile. Yeah. Are they migrating or spawning? Because they they're, say they're like just yarded winter. up in there for the winter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we they moved say like burbot get better later in the spring, right? Because they start mating or whatever they do spawning. well i think like i think burbot spawn in like february february yeah something like that but yeah you're right we moved to a third spot and it was just non-stop yeah <laughs> like a 150 yard stretch all three of us spread uh, i mean all three of us nuts. have fish on all at the same time that's fun it was matt caught one his was Right, 44. just under 24 pounds yep 44 inch fish 20. that's a big fish it was yeah. huge well and it's funny how it goes like that, how your your scale of what's a big fish goes throughout the day. The first couple of fish, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a decent <laughs> one, you know. 
And I kept, I think, from the first spot we were hammering them, I kept three that were all like 10 pounds. Right. You know, like and then the good, second. A good medium size. Good we're fish. like, oh, these are, you know, these are good. That's about the biggest we caught right we, there. And then we moved. And then it's like 12 pounds, 13 pounds, 15 pounds. Yeah. We were that. kind of having a little derby and we were stuck on like 12 and 13 for a while. And then I think I, I caught her, Tyler caught a 14 or 15 pounder. And I, I and then I, I released that 14 and a half or whatever yeah. in Matt's hole. Yeah. And then the next fish he caught was a, you know, he's like, oh, this is going to be a big one, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it's probably a 14 well, pounder. I just one, dumped down. You had just run back to your hole and had another one yep. that was like 13 pounds. And so Matt reels up this fish and I'm, and he's like, oh, it's a big one. I'm like, it's probably the one I just released. You know, that's what I'm thinking. And no, it's a 23 and a half pounder and whatever. Oh, I was oh. like, I'm like, holy shit. So then we're like, at that point, we're like, oh, we got to. We got to try to yeah, we try to catch a twenty another twenty pounder. Well, we didn't so, want to leave. Well, so it was right after. Well, it was right after that. In the picture of you got like you that fish you're holding in the picture of two of them. That was a thirteen pound fish. Exactly. That's a good. That's a big pike, you know. Yeah. And I mean that looks like a dink. Twenty. Yeah. <laughs> huge. And Matt let that one go, but then it wasn't long after that I hooked into one. Fought for a long a 15, time. I already caught a 15-pounder, and I was using this little rinky-dink ice fishing rod that it doesn't have the spine. That's to, just bent. <laughs> so all I can gauge a fish's size off is how much line they're stripping, you know. And this fish, I, I'd caught one that was 15, and this fish was just taking it for, like, I fought him for a good, like, 10 or 15 minutes before I thought, you know, all right, he should be up at the hole. Then I can't keep track of how much lines right. out and whatnot. I'm like, this is going to be a big one. This one's a, a 20 pound. You know, I figured oh, right it's got to be yeah. like a 20 pound fish. Well, then it like I I couldn't get gain any line on him for what like another. It was a way. It was a long time. Minutes, you like, fought that fish. I was I caught three or four while you were fighting that. Yeah, one. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do, guys? I'm like, it it feels like you wrap that because I in the whole. I lost a lure, I snagged a lure on something in the hole just kind of over towards the bank. So I'm like, man, did he wrap it around something? And I let it go. I didn't want to let it go slack, but finally I'm like out of options. I'm like, just let it go slack and and I could get back a little bit. And then that was it. Or that's what I thought. It took a long time for you. Finally, I'm just like, well, I don't know what to do. And I I wish I would have just grabbed a flashlight and looked down the hole because I would have seen my steel leader. Yep. Because finally I just put my gloves on him using that Power Pro, you know. Right. Put leather gloves on, wrap that, (laughs) just yard on it. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm going to either pull the stick out or something. And I know the feel. It's like the feeling of that big up on the Yukon, that big pike I had that, oh, just grab him by the spoon and yank him in the boat and it ripped that hook right through the top of his mouth like that's that same feeling that pop and that lure came flying up out of the hole he was right at the bottom of the ice like right at the hole a 10 inch hole couldn't get him up in it (laughs) and he'd been there the whole time he'd been there the whole time right there oh god i mean i would give him some slack and he'd and i'd get it right back shit (laughs) but uh, you know i didn't know if he was 20 it had taken 20 yards of line or yeah so he's Doing dumping a spoon with herring down on it, or um, I was using them little. That's what, for the most part. I I 
had a bunch of those little rubber mini pike. You did fish with that all day, or most of the day. And it worked. Yeah. Um, I just used the same. I mean, shit. I just had them in my tackle box, and during the summer, it's good. I, good I've never really catch much on them because it's just hard to outfish a silver spoon. Right. But that one guy was using those soft rubbers. I'm like, yeah, well, this might be a good way. And you get a good hookup with them ice fishing because it you take the well, it's a single hook fisheries, but you take the treble hook off the bottom, and they have that one single hook that's like on top. It's like a lead push. jig type thing. But the hook's on top. You, it sucks because you hang it up on the ice a lot when you're trying to get it back up in the hole. Maybe that was part of I talked hung to the, up on that fish. I but, talked to the guys that had the pile of fish carcasses yeah. where we fished the second spot or whatever. Yeah, and uh, they didn't even use bait. They were used, huh. they were jigging like white little, you know, tube, tube yeah. jig or something like that. Oh wow. Yeah, we were using, we went through we were cheating. fucking we, we went 15, through. 20 pounds of herring. Well, a ten yeah, pound not bag. Not that much. A no, ten I didn't bring. I I bought a ten pound bag, but I just stuffed a gallon bag full of herring. Well, we and went I'm through like, all well, that. I'm like, well, this will. We'll never go through this. <laughs> we're like cutting fins off pike and pike <laughs> the livers. The, and the end of the day, I'm picking shit up out of the hole that I can find. Whatever, <laughs> like you know, scrap bait, any piece of scrap. Yeah, and they were all catching stuff too. Yeah, it was... Uh, Probably wouldn't have mattered what you threw in the hole no, sound, on a day like that. It was absolutely sound. unbelievable. But yeah, wake up the next wake up the next morning and can't close your hands because... Yeah. When you, you have been, a... You know, you have a good day of pike fishing the next day when you're hit from your fingers hurt. The yeah. other thing about it was from the pictures, it looked like you guys had phenomenal weather. It was oh, great. It was, sunny. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it was like 40 degrees. It got shitty on the way back, but whatever. It wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, it was like a blizzard up on top and stuff. But what? Not. I mean, just super windy and yeah. shitty. Not bad though. Yeah. No, that was that was an awesome day. It was a little chilly in the morning. Yeah. Complaining Gosh. like it was like thirty degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it got yeah. colder when we got when we dropped down, um, but it was you know it wasn't unmanageable. Yeah, but man, that was that was a hoot. So like that's that's the high I'm riding right stop, now. I couldn't stop thinking about it could not it's just i i don't even love fishing but i love fi- fi- when fishing is that good I, i'm count me count me and i'll go that's great. Yeah. I was gonna say, i'm I, not a fisherman but i love no. catching shit right i'm yeah. with you i'm not i i'm not a fisherman at all i'm not a fisher i'm a catcher yep. and on a day like that when you're catching them i yep. can be about that i ain't going out of my way for some wild goose chase fishing trip but if somebody says you know and there's a few spots that we know of that are usually good at certain times of the year and i'm, I'm in yeah that's <laughs> uh, like steelhead or the fish of a thousand casts no way in hell well, that's a muskie there's a muskie, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, still had her, I don't think, take I thought me there a thousand casts to catch one. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've never musk, caught one. Brian, Brian, it takes a yeah. thousand casts. Yeah, yeah well, 1,500 of them, I'm wrapped in a tree, <laughs> I'm miserable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, well, see, like, when, when I was a kid, I was fishing crazy, like, like, casting my pole with my Mickey Mouse pole with the bobber out in mud puddles and shit yeah. like that, like, just obsessed and where and you know, I think I may have mentioned this before. Where I grew up in Colorado, the fishing's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we'd go out and we'd catch like a couple no of rain- Colorado, a couple of rainbows in a day. Was, oh, that was a hell was like, of a it's day. A good day. And my dad's always like, ah, fishing's terrible down here. Well, you know, when you're spoiled but, up you here, know, well, because he grew up up here, he's, yeah. you know, you just don't know. It's and unreal. How you, yeah. you can't, it's unreal. Uh, you can't unexperience no. a day like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was even exceptional for for here but like there's places like that where you can go 
yank a hundred, you know, or we would yank over 150 pike through the ice, you know, probably what, 30 of them, 10 pounds or bigger. Yeah, quite a few. That's I mean, crazy. you know, three foot fish. Long yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just nuts. Unbelievable. So, I mean, I. Yeah. And we've had days fishing like that, maybe. I mean, probably not as nearly as many, but good days fishing, you know, in the spring on, on you know, the rivers and stuff. That's fun, too, when they're biting. But yeah, you, don't you, let, you and Frank had a day like that last year. Oh yeah, yeah, bear, bear hunting right on the. Yeah, when we went up to went to set those baits, man, that was unbelievable. I, it was that good. That same thing, yeah. I mean, just hours in the same spot, boom, fish. It's just fish a, it's a different fish. kind of experience casting for them because when those bigger fish, when they run, when you're casting, they're gonna run. Yeah, but through the ice, it just seems like. Because you're using such heavy drag and such heavy line, like if you're hooked them good, you own that fish. You let yeah. him run, but he's going to tire himself out because it's taken so much effort to. Yeah, pull it. it's uh, it's just different. It's I'm not like a no, I'm not a big time ice fisherman, but it's no. well, and I don't know. You, you, if you go hit a few like good fisheries, you get burn out. It's like you could go. There's spots you can go with your fly rod for grayling, and in a couple days you don't. Like, I'm all set for the year on <laughs> yeah. fly fishing. Especially you know. grayling. But I, I went to the Richardson Clearwater like six or seven years ago, and uh, I was just telling you about this, I think. I mean, we were catching graylings from your elbow to your fingertips, cast after cast. I've got pictures of these huge grayling, and that was when I was getting into fly fishing. So, oh, I mean, yeah. that was some of the best times ever because grayling are fun. You just, yep. they eat anything. And I'm slapping the water with line <laughs> and still yeah. catching fish. Yeah, I remember there was one one trip. It was uh, it was right after we moved up here. I think that kind of opened my eyes. I think me, my cousin, and my uncle. I think we caught seven hundred some grayling in a day. Mm -hmm. Like every single cast, you're you're finally you're like you're trying flies that <laughs> shouldn't work. That shouldn't work <laughs> just so you won't have to unhook. A you're like oh. They got away. I don't have to handle another. I don't have to take them off, you know. But, oh, yeah, it's, it'll definitely, there's a lot of opportunities up here that'll spoil. Yeah. I grew up in Pennsylvania you. where they stock trout, and then the next day you go and you fish for them. So my stepdad, <laughs> he's a huge fisherman. This guy lives and breathes it, and he came up here, and everybody's like, you eat trout? And he's like, you bunch of spoiled people up here, man. I cannot believe it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can remember a few, a handful of times up here where the fishing is just like there's nothing on anywhere else that I've ever experienced even close mm -hmm. to it. Salmon a few times, and and then the pike. It's just oh yeah, or it's like it's good stuff. People eat like people eat pink salmon. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that time, you know, I remember was when I was helping out with that TV show on a fog neck. The the pinks were running then, and everybody's you know catching them and wanting to eat them i'm like i'm all set man <laughs> <laughs> guys go ahead I'm like we got a bunch of reds back at the lodge i'm all about that but mm -hmm. uh yeah for sure so brian are you you on the board for our hack yeah you know? yeah I so i definitely a, would like to hear more about that i'm not a member yet i should be though oh I absolutely should be so yeah, I'm uh, I'm the secretary for REC now. I've been on there, which is Resident Hunters of Alaska. Yeah, Resident Hunters of Alaska. Ooh. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, I think the biggest thing with Resident Hunters of Alaska is there's never been like a unified voice for residents to yeah. go to processes like the board of game that just just happened this weekend. And uh, I think the best part about being on the board was learning the processes and 
and figuring it out and being taught and you know kind of seeing how the states manage not only managed but also the political influence of it yeah well and I think like you had mentioned earlier, like learning how to write proposals that have a chance of being, because that's one, you know, one good thing about the way our, our state wildlife's managed is every, anyone can put in a proposal for rule changes or, you know, so it's like, yeah, the state ideally is very interactive. I had a conversation at work today with some people because I was listening to the board of game thing all day and. Like it's that's still going on, you know. It's like you know in the afternoon. I'm like, well, you know, it's a several long day process, and Alaska is really the only state that that has a, a, a process as transparent as yeah. we do, where everybody in the public has an opportunity annually for a certain region or area of Alaska to go ahead and 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 propose a change to something that they either you know would like to see um, added or maybe something that they'd like to see taken away based off their experience. And, and if it's a good proposal and you get backing of organizations um, that, you know, in the past have proven to uh, be successful with, you know, or, or, you know, not maybe, maybe not just successful, but ac- reputable, you know, where, yeah. where their opinion is going to matter. Um, they, they're taking uh, the conservation aspect and opportunity aspect into, into consideration. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it was very eye opening, you know, five or six years ago when I went to my first bog, yeah, that's- bog meeting. And I started listening. I'm like, this is very, very cool because other states they kind of do stuff behind closed doors. They yeah. don't. They might ask for a public input, but they're not doing it publicly for everybody to come up and give their testimony and and explain why they think this way and and really give um, I guess changes to regulations a shot. Whereas Alaska, if you you submit a proposal for something, it's going to be talked about and it's going to be voted on publicly. Like we were talking about earlier, I mean, so the this past weekend was for South Central, which is you know in my rim of the world down in Los Anchorage and dirty anchor Tonys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so one thing, yeah, I love bear baiting. Um, I love bear hunting. I think it's great. It's a great conservation thing. So one thing that I noticed was there was an area on a map, 14 year remainder, and I'll <laughs> give up my spot, even though I don't want to. It's pretty open. But uh, so I, I found this spot and I joined Rack and I said, hey, I want you know to write a proposal to put in for this. And so once I joined the board, I was like, hey, let's submit it as Rack. And so it just passed. One, one of the things is it was one bear every four years and 14 year remainder. So yeah. one proposal was to change that to one brown bear every regulatory year. So that passed. And then the other one was to allow bear baiting in 14 year remainder. And uh, we worked really close with David Battle, who I can't speak highly enough. He's the uh, bear biologist or the biologist at mm-hmm. Anchorage. And so we sat down with him, me and Mark Richards, our executive director, and kind of talked about the area we you know girdwood was really upset about it so we kind of actually excluded the girdwood valley and uh and it passed five to one um so that just passed an hour before this podcast and so i already have my spot picked out no it's a it's a super great opportunity that we have to change stuff like that or have the or have the chance to go ahead and submit a proposal to change like you know somebody was the first one to put something in to allow grizzly bear you know over bait and then remember and then I I think I know, I think I know who it was. Was that Ray? Yeah, because I had. Yeah, I think I know who it was. Well, they were first. I say. Well, they were first. I remember when that all happened. The first area was over in twenty E. Yeah, I believe, and that was. 
and it was that was definitely it was a specific predator okay. control measure. Yep. But yeah. I remember because you know I, I wasn't directly involved. You know I was kind of complaining about it, and you could say it came out was, of the Fairbanks Anchorage Committee. I guess it came right? out of it came out of around here to get <laughs> these couple you know one or two sure units started out, and the feds were flipping out, and every you know thinking it was going to be a massacre and all you know everyone just in it you know i mean i don't know how many times i said it but it, it turns out that shooting grizzlies or brown bears on bait is not the same thing and as hunting black bears on bait and yeah it's hard to do today and, during the meeting ted spraker who's the chairman of the bog he made it very clear and for everybody to know like if you if you think taking a brown bear or grizzly bear over bait is easy, you're you're sadly mistaken because they're one there's a lot of freaking work involved anyhow. Yeah. And two, those bears are smart. And yeah. yeah, you might get an easy one every now and then, but but the majority of people are you can't just go throw a bait out there. We've talked to this ad nauseum, Tyler, but you can't just go right. throw a bait out and expect okay you're going to be successful just because no, you can. I know I mean, guys that like, put baits yeah. out and then they're sitting them the next day. I'm like that's not how it works. I mean you know I tried to teach people, but <coughs> it's like yeah awesome. not to throw the r word around but yeah 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 it's i mean like we've said you know There's, i can usually get one shot yep in a season so yeah. i think there's been a time you know and like last year i passed sure a couple little you know like bears that you just don't want to shoot but you know i got i got one good opportunity and i kind of blew it but you know yep. you got you know like i told you after that one, that first grizzly last year that came back, tried to come back in when we were there in the morning, it was just like, well, at least it's early in the year because, man, hopefully, I hope chance. that's not your, your <laughs> one opportunity. Oh, yeah. And it ended up working out just it, fine. But. It's just way more difficult than what people give credit for if they're not uh, aware. And so, yeah. It's important to conservation too, man. It's hard to kill bears. It, it really is. Well, you know, in – down in Anchorage and then up in here, you know, especially in the interior, if, you, if you're not able to bait them, I don't know how the heck how you're going to kill them. And you, they need to be managed. I mean, moose populations, caribou populations, they all depend on it. And it, I don't, and the the data supports it. There's not a huge influx in, you know, the amount of grizzlies being killed annually compared to you know, no. prior years. It's going to be well, a few more. It's like, it's not I think a lot. we ran the numbers by like, it's like, three percent success rate yeah it's not on the kenai their they, their numbers are so low jeff selinger when they first opened it he said what he expected was a spike a lot yeah. of bears being killed and it drops off and they shot like 90 bears the first year and now it's like you'll be lucky to get 15 on the whole kenai baiting 90 brown bears the first year yeah it was either it might have been 60 but it was a high number right because yeah. like those bears have been coming to the now at that time black bear bait for years they're accustomed to it yeah and then you know they shot a high number but then it drops off because you're shooting those bears that come around and then nice. he said once that dominant boar is gone now smaller boars are kind of cruising around yeah. kind of thing so yeah they're shooting like 15 bears a year on yeah. all of kenai that's that's a big area it was well, good to see oh go ahead well, i was gonna say well that that whole issue just kind of gets back to what you were saying about the uniqueness of the way our state does it and the proposal thing because it's over time that process of letting just anybody make a proposal and then in in some other states um they have public meetings and you can submit public comments whatever sure. but it's always comments on proposals and things that are Already come there. up by the by the by the game and fish and the other and, yeah. and so here you know 
anybody who submits a proposal, like you said, it's going to get talked about, good, bad, or otherwise. It, not all of them are going to pass. They certainly. might spend five minutes on it, or they might right. spend 30 like they did on but a few over, today. But over time, yeah. these issues get brought up. They get talked through. Right. The num- the true numbers get out there. The true statistics, well, the more it gets talked about, the more people get interested, the more education gets done. And I think you get to the right spot. Right. I mean, you get to the truth. I've, I've lived and hunted in several states, and um, I can, the, the surveys that Fish and Game may send out to base their, uh, I guess, you know, to give the public comment, what I've found is that the surveys are always like the questions are tailored to fit the their Something agenda, they yeah. and yeah. In, in Alaska, there, it's not it's not that way. If, so if I could talk again on rack, I mean, just because <laughs> no, I no, got please go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So just like you said, I mean, for years there hasn't been the resident voice short of one person, and so now there's like a unified voice. Right? We have 1,200 members. People always ask me, "Well, what do you guys do? What have you done?" I mean, we're two years old, right? Getting into our third year, so. You can't really do much as a new organization in two years. No. you got to build your base, get the numbers, get your voice out. So that's where we're at. Now we're transitioning. Um, we've got legislative bills, Senate bill. I'd have to grab my phone to sound smart, but I think it's 86. So um, I'll grab that in a second and, and read it to you. But we're doing legislative bills, um, working with the Board of Game. We do a Juno fly-in every year, so we go talk to legislators. Uh, we, I personally met Dunleavy. You know, we talked to him. Uh, he gave us, you know, credibility. Um, we're building momentum. Next weekend, uh, Saturday coming up is actually our. Uh, um, I'm trying to find this here. Okay, um, Saturday is our banquet. If oh. anybody hasn't got tickets, I don't, are you coming down? No, I can't make it down. Uh, okay, so Saturday is our banquet. Uh, look it up online. Um, but Senate Bill 87. So I'm going to read this to you guys real quick on what it is. So the way the Senate bill reads. Um, it says, an act relating to the taking of big game by non-residents and providing an effective date. So currently it reads, non-residents and alien uh, permits, whenever it is necessary to restrict the taking of big game so that opportunity for state residents to take big game can be reasonably, be reasonably satisfied in accordance with sustainable yield principles, the Board of Game may, throughout a permit system, limit the taking of big game by non-resident and resident aliens. So we're switching that word from may to shall. And so basically that makes that gives accountability to the board of game when they make when they bring up these proposals. So the biggest thing to look here is if it's there's not a sustainable yield. So if the population, you know, can't have a harvest ticket for both non-residents and residents, we'll put the non-residents on draw tag. Yeah. Because the constitution reads to make maximum sustainable yield for the residents of Alaska. So that's like one thing we're doing. Uh, we talk to legislators, board of game. It's all networking. It's all politics. That's the one thing where, that like I've been shocked about is I knew politics were involved, but there's a lot of politics. And so that's kind of what our organization's about. And it's, it's fun to be on the board, see how things work. Uh, you meet powerful people. You get to talk to them. And you give a voice to 1,200 residents that otherwise – only get to put a proposal on Well, hell, here. there might only be 1,200 people of uh, RAC, but there's hell of a lot more residents that are benefiting from the... 130,000. Yep, yeah. so uh, certainly um, worth joining if you uh, care about your hunting in, in the state of Alaska. And 
you know, Rack has, has said over and over they're they're not anti guide, they're yeah. just pro resident. Well, so and, it see, may be... and you see a lot of shit talking, of course, on mm-hmm. <clears throat> online online about that, and you know you see the resistance from it from you know some outfitters, not all, because there's there's good, bad, and ugly. Um, but yeah, just like any user. Group. A lot of the non or some of the other organizations that are more non resident type organizations are not. I, you, you, you know, they just, I'm trying to even think it's, of how to put it, but it's like, there's, there's a fair amount of shit talked I've heard about, you know, our hack or trying to discredit basically. And I don't live in where we do, I guess it's, it's a similar thing anywhere, but a couple I just don't see there's how, all okay so so all right. there's a lot of yeah. use I'll gather all, my thoughts here <laughs> yeah, before go I ahead. Go on a okay so just <laughs> there's a lot of user groups in Alaska that take advantage of the the game that we have and the opportunity and and each one needs a voice and up until recently the residents were not uh they were not represented but all the other user groups were yeah. and so why why would all the regular people in the state of Alaska that look forward to and in some even rely on the opportunity available to them why would they just sit idle and not and not step up and try to do something to either guarantee their their uh you know their privilege or their opportunity in the future or to maybe you know bring the reins back and and give give more opportunity to residents as opposed to filtering it out through all the other user groups that may not actually have any invested interest in in the state yeah and i guess that's no, sorry. Go ahead. Gary. I was going to say, as Brian, as Brian just said, you know, um, um, given the numbers, all those other user groups were represented, and the biggest of all the user groups before RAC wasn't represented because far and away, exponentially, the biggest group of users is the residents of Alaska. Of course. And so, if that was the one group that didn't have a voice, it's sort of silly to think that it took this yeah. long to get a unified voice and uh the first know. and there's an there people <laughs> so argue people argue that you know that there's the ac committees in each area of alaska in each town each city whatever that that has you know that's an advisory committee okay that has the the the, the that that area's best interest in yeah. mind and they are the ones that weigh in and and they take locals comments and they take that into consideration and then they generate proposals or or support or or, or you know show no support for certain things but those little ac groups while they do great things and it's a lot of work and, and they're certainly doing doing a good job they may not have residents as a whole uh, best interest in mind either yeah and absolutely and I, I mean, it's just the truth. What yeah. I always tell people, yeah. too, like you just said with numbers, is our fight isn't in monetary value. We don't have a lot of money. We make our only source of revenue is the banquet. I mean, sponsorship, we give a hat, a decal, we're making five bucks a person. So it's not about that. It's about the voice and the numbers because when you go to a politician, it says, hey, we got a voting base. And that's why I bring up 1,200 members is we got 1,200 members that we can influence for your next election. And that's the only thing we really have because yeah, we don't it, have a monetary value. We're all hardworking right. residents it, that don't. And it's a shame that there's only 1,200 members too. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that uh, it, it's still early, and uh, you know, everybody that I talk to, um, and I mentioned Rack too, you know, they're they're pretty uh, pretty much on board like immediately. I've had people that never sign up for any group whatsoever sign up. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, it's and I guess what I was I was getting at earlier, you know, we. It's such a special and unique place, and in some ways, it's like a lot of other places, I guess. But I don't know. I get 
everybody wants a piece of Alaska mm-hmm. in anywhere. You know, I don't expect to go to any other place and have, and I, I mean, I had felt this way for years about stuff as what, you know, there's a lot of ways it's arguable that, and especially in the past, the residents aren't getting any kind of preference or, right. you know, I don't know. And maybe that, you know, people say, oh, well, you're just being greedy. You can live there. You can, well, hey, you know, I do choose to live here. Yeah. I'm you being know, greedy. That's cool. I spend you know, I don't, I six don't, months of dark up here. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm greedy. <laughs> yeah. I don't go, you know, I just don't. Yeah. It just seems like a non-starter argument. You can't, I can't expect to go anywhere else and have the be afforded the same opportunities as the people that live there and no and no other state allows that either so we're the, we're the only yeah. state uh it, to my knowledge that allows the the amount of non-resident hunting to also uh, tackle and another and that's totally fine yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, it doesn't bother me but to tackle another subject that often comes out so there was they were spreading you know whatever people get to juno and the word gets around that oh they're just a bunch of rich pilots that you know <laughs> want to make sheep hunting for themselves and i'm like well not at all because one the president doesn't own a plane i don't own a plane like and we're representing resident hunters it doesn't matter if you have a plane or not i do most of my hunting by foot same if not i'm paying a transporter so the other thing that comes i don't have a four-wheeler yeah i mean either yeah and i have a canoe (laughs) but the other thing that people don't understand is you know transporters get locked up like you know if a, a transporter not to put guide and residents but that sometimes that just happens but guides will pay transporters to take them to certain areas and now that transporter because that guide has a contract whatever that's business that's yep. what we're in it for now the guide the transporter won't take a resident there so me i don't fly a plane so i could i have no vested interest in anything flying other than i want access to that transport because i know this drain holds whatever it is sheep sure. moose whatever it is and so that's the complex situation that comes up that people don't understand like it's not a at that kind of area it's also an access issue and you know it, it kind of compounds about it upon each other yep because there's there's quite a few areas where your your options are like one or two you know if you don't own a plane and i don't you know a yeah. lot of mm-hmm. us don't we, you know we'll pay charters your access options are very i can think of several areas where it's like you're not getting anybody to fly in there because they're working for the outfitter yeah. you know and not to be you know, and, like, and and that's just the the, the fact of the situation. Yeah. And over in Toke, there's one spot you can't even get gas if you take or take a guy into an outfitter spot as a transporter. Oh wow! I'm not going to put any businesses or names out there, but then, I mean, I've gotten phone calls from transporters about that. Yeah, hey, I won't sell you gas. How are you going to do it? I won't take you. See, yeah. I got I got to a I got to rack because of that problem, but like from a whole different perspective. When I moved up here, which was only. Uh, you know, September, I'll be here three years. When I moved up here, it was just when Rack was starting. And one of my friends was one of the hundred, the guys in the kind of group first of a hundred yeah, that started it. And so he told me about it. And my first thought was, um, because there are, uh, you know, you said it's a lot of politics and it's a lot of advocating, whatever. When I heard residents, hunters of Alaska, I thought, Oh, well, that's guys that live here. Shit, they've got to know what's going on. I got to join that group because I don't have a clue what's going on. And I I didn't know the difference between a transporter and a guide and an assistant guide and a guy that would rent me a pickup. And so um, I was like, I got to talk to this resident group because if there's somebody 
uh, that could help me out, it's got to be these resident people. And so when you said, you know, it's it's all about politics and networking, whatever, and, and, and I knew the context that you were talking about networking, but I joined just to like, okay, I'm going to become a resident. I want to I want to associate and network with other resident hunters because even though it's it's hard for me just moving here to figure out how do I get to one of those fairly inaccessible areas there's got to be guys that have done this before and figured this out and and maybe somebody will share a little bit and i found that right away with i've met like i probably have four or five people um i I don't hunt with too many people but i've got four or five friends all of which i met through rack that are um that that have helped me out tremendously given me years i think of jump start without giving me you know nobody sent me to their honey hole nobody took me out and put me on a mountainside other than when i rode that boat with you guys that was (laughs) that was was pretty much a honey hole but uh i don't think y'all had anything to do with that but uh you know a lot of people got me started with good general information and that kind of networking let alone what y'all do in 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 juno or in you know at the board of game or whatever but just that low true just what it says resident hunters getting together common interest figuring things out for the residents yeah that i mean so that was that was the initial appeal uh uh of rack for me um and and has turned out to be you know a great thing personally um i'm a lawyer i got some family members that were involved a little bit uh, in the lower 48 in politics so i understood the kind of the lobbying aspect the power of it i'm i, I do a lot with this, the alaska bow hunters association so i kind of understand the um the bigger picture of it but when's true? your guys banquet to april uh, 6th april 6th yeah if uh so uh, everybody get your tickets yeah, for both of them that's good right time. that's right april 6th at the uh, at the hilton down in uh in Anchorage, uh, Los, Los Anchorage as well. We're trying to. I'm uh, I'm advocating for it to become a moving banquet, but it's hard to just get away from the the volume of people and sponsorship and everything else. I hit that's, that's in Anchorage because yeah. we, you know, when when uh, well, it wasn't ABA, it was the ASAA would do. They were trying to do the the state 3D shoots. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the spring bear and then state unmarked 3D. Um, it was, I think it was 2013. They actually had it up here, and I think they were going to start, you know, Back and forth. Al- alternating. And I just think they just couldn't get enough people from down there to make the drive one year. And it was one of the funnest courses I've shot was they had it in uh, Cantwell, or down just south of Cantwell on that. And that makes sense. It's in the middle-ish of yep. the two. and Oh, it's got to be beautiful. Per, I mean, plus, you, you can get money awesome dumped course. into the hotels and lodges or, or cabins, whatever they are there, would be good. But, yeah, I think they had it just at one of those campgrounds down there. I think what that boiled down to is they just couldn't get the volume of people to come down there and help set yeah. up as they can. And that's why we end up in Anchorage. That's why Rack is in Anchorage, even though it's a resident group and it's the whole thing. But, you know, hey. that's – it's, it's – um, it makes sense. I, I hate does. traveling down there for everything, but I'm going to keep doing it. We like it when is. you come. No, I, I, <laughs> I enjoy it, but at the same time, it's like every time you know you want to go, it's a pain in the ass, and I'm glad that only a handful of people need to worry about it. If you had it, I'd be kind of against having anything up here just because, shit, all those people are going to have to, oh, it's already 65 bucks to go to the event, and then yeah. you're going to want to spend money, but then you got to either drive or fly to Fairbanks. I, I just, I don't know that. Well, uh, the purpose. It'd be difficult to, to figure out how, you know, are you really going to get the, you know, the same three or 400 people that you normally yeah. do? 
granted, I would assume that there's that many people in town here that would that would make up the difference. But hey, know. it's sixty five bucks. But last two years ago, I won my bow. <laughs> so you got to think about that. Show up to ABA. Show up to the rack banquet. You're going to win things. Have yeah. a good time. And like you said, network with people. That's the biggest thing. I met you at ABA yep. through Trevor. I met Gary at his first banquet. Yeah. And funny thing with rack, I met Brad in the gym. I said, I heard a rack. You got a shirt on. Who's the president of rack? Yeah. And he's. I said, What do you know about him? He's like, Oh, a little bit. You know, I'm the president. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. He's like, you want to volunteer? And then the next thing I know, I'm sitting in on a board meeting, and a couple months later, I'm on the board and yeah. having a ball now, you know? Nice. So, yeah, I know how that goes. I think they have good intentions. I'm, you know, a member, but mm-hmm. it, it, they're on the right track. And I, and I don't I don't know what you know what the ultimate end it's goal a is going to be. I think, yeah, to get or, the or substantial more. voice. Yeah. Yeah, but you know. It, it's not going away. It's no. funny, all the there's news articles and stuff in the paper on it. Calling Lady them, called know, me from like, ADN yeah. talking about that bear baiting proposal. Mark was in there, and, and you know I can't say enough about Mark. He's dedicated. He was in Juneau for three weeks straight. Gets back, sees his wife for two days, goes to Anchorage. Yeah. He's going back for a day or two days, coming back, going back for the banquet. Yeah. He's sort of your executive director and you're like your legislative liaison guy. Yeah. So we have uh, him and then we've got a lobbyist down in Juneau as well uh, that works with us down there. So so if anyone's not aware, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, there's a lot of work. A ton. And, and it, it it's not self Hopefully uh, nobody. Yeah. It's, it's hopefully nobody from my company is listening because I spend more time with rack than I do <laughs> my personal work. I mean, I'm sitting on the yeah. computer and my employee comes up. I minimize everything real quick. <laughs> you know, what are you working yeah, on? But, Busy. Yeah. You but, know, Tyler, you brought up the shit talk, and now there's these groups, and it's back and forth. And um, you know, my simple maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure it out, but my simple thought is there's just not many groups total supporting hunting. And yeah. so to have all this shit talking between each other, oh, you're you're for this area of honey, you're for that area of honey. Oh, you guys are against us. You gotta, if any group is working hard with that are conservation based, conservation minded, and they're yeah. doing anything to protect my right to hunt, whether it's here or in Newfoundland or in in the Keys in Florida, I'm on your side because there's not nearly, best I can tell it, it, these days, there's not nearly enough people fighting to protect my right to hunt anything, anywhere. Uh, um, um, and, and so I'll say generally, what, unless we're, you know, just this mentality, a little bit of eating our own is just not yeah, healthy. Well, and uh, some, good. you know, I don't know where we're, where we're at here, maybe not so much in Anchorage, which is why I think it kind of. It's very. I'm very glad that they're they're passing that stuff down there, and it's it's great to have the voice in the board of game and the way things work, to where you can't just have all the the for lack of a better term, just the ignorant city folk. Oh god! Oh yeah! Making all the rules, and they're not. You know. Yeah. Well, that they're, Alaska's not Alaska, out. but yeah. you know, we're just kind of in a <laughs> we're so isolated from a lot of that that we just don't have to. Uh, we don't have to deal with a lot of these wackos. Yeah, I gotta say on a though, I mean, basis, this, you know, so it's uh, this time of year it gets kind of hairy just because the proposals this and that. But generally, I mean, we're all the end goal conservation, mm-hmm. maximize yeah. populations. So you work, we all do work together. But every once in a while, you got to jab at somebody. You know, it's winter time. You're bored, but no, we, no, we all our end goals. I think by any board is to work together, get things done. 
and yeah. at the end of the day support hunting and conservation like you said it's a dying uh you know population of hunters is dropping it's sad the kids are all on their ipads and we're out in the mountains <laughs> yeah. chasing goats you know what, what's the difference what what i find interesting is that us residents of alaska have so much opportunity already more than any other state mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. to go out and hunt and fish but but there's but there's still a group of people that think that we're being you know somewhat shorted on our opportunity and and you know and it's crazy and, 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 and in small little pockets in certain little areas about you know certain species and stuff we certainly are um but no 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 hard hunting resident of alaska um can complain about the, the can, amount yeah, of opportunity you can have. In the and, state. and and we are all if if you if you put forth the effort you you can go out and harvest every species that you go hunting for if you put the you know the effort but it, in but it's nice and well you know like a lot of people would call it greedy but i think you know with this the system and it can work great for i'm all for increasing our opportunity at every every time it's like scientifically sound Sure. And is going to be good for the longevity of whatever population of whatever yep. animal we're talking about. Like, why why wouldn't we want to push Use to the, increase opportunity? You know, yeah. it's not like we're going to say, oh, okay, well, we got it pretty good, so good enough. And Yeah, no, that's how I look at it is we live in a hardcore state, and I'm not going to compare myself to some guy that lives down in, you know, Idaho who can, you know, gets 90% allocation we get less i mean you know yeah. just i'm not going to compare myself to a different state if i have a resource and i can make it better one i'm going to do that but two i'm not going to create an imbalance that's unfavorable to me when you know my property tax you know i employ <laughs> people here when we get to that equation i mean that's why i live here is the hunt and if you're yeah. going to take that away right. why would i yeah. live here yeah this place is so so unique from an opportunity standpoint it's almost when, when I when I go to Lower Forty Eight, back to where I'm from, and talk to people about, it, it's almost embarrassing when I explain to them how, it? <laughs> how much opportunity that I have living here, and they just shake their head and and uh, to not appreciate that, yeah. um, to not appreciate that one is sad. And then for people that live here and complain at all, yet don't put forth the effort to take advantage of that yeah. opportunity. Yeah. That's where I kind of have problems. I mean, there's a lot of people I look at that do complain, and then I you know, dig a little bit deeper, and I realize you're not you're they're not trying hard enough. You know, you're not you're not uh, well, you're not involved either. It's the same uh, typical like oh, there's sure. no sheep bullshit. That like oh, I can't you know I didn't draw a tag, so I can't go sheep hunting. My, yeah. my brother, I think, said it best. I think you guys could rationalize with this. He said, the only reason you're successful is because you're dumb enough. And I said, yeah. I mean, that's, all of my friends that are successful are dumb enough to go through the endurance and the, the issue. And I said, man, that's spot well, on. Well, I mean, the other thing is there's there's injustice in the world we live in. Look, that's that's a part of life that, like you said, Nick, there's pockets of places where things aren't fair. That's true in everything. That's, that's yeah. you, you can't have a system that's perfectly balanced that's perfectly fair that treats multiple groups that have different dynamics exactly the same that's just the life doesn't work that way and so from a grand scheme of things alaska is so unique that for a resident group the one thing i got it pretty good i think we can that i just personally that i think we could really focus on is the bison tags i mean a non-resident has the same odds i do Yeah, and there's no cap. Yeah, there's no cap. That's 
So the feasibly, one every bu- every buffalo tag could go to a non-resident. Stra- non-residents in one yeah. year. It is possible. And if you're non-resident <laughs> listening to this, don't apply. Just don't do it. I know a guy that I know a guy that applied uh, this year and won it. A non-resident. I also know a guy uh, last year. Yeah, that his dad. That's the his one dad thing. won one. Cause, I Which mean, is totally fine. It's whatever. We can hunt anything else in this state. We really could, except <laughs> I, for bison. I got chastised just recently on a forum. Not, yeah, I kind of, I kind of did. But um, a, a guy that I've talked with before on um, on the internet, he won a Delta moose tag, and there's only 19 tags available, and it's like probably the hardest moose tag in the state to draw, and yeah. probably one of the best areas. Yeah, you know, like when. It it is uh, anyhow, and I'm like, how in the hell is that even an opera? You know, how how is that even available to non-residents? It's you know, yeah. There's some tags up here that are fifty fifty for moose tags. Yeah, but wow, that particular one, lots of people put in for that tag, mm-hmm. and there's no non-resident cap. And on top of that, it it shouldn't even be, you know, shouldn't even be offered for them based on the the resident demand. It's an incredible moose tag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what? I'm, you know. So I mentioned something like I didn't even know that one was available like that. You know, why is that the way it is? And you know, a couple of guys, oh, you're just whatever they were saying. I eventually I commented, just explained, like, I didn't even know it was available to non-residents, mm-hmm. and that's just one perfect example of a great tag that you know, if there's only a few, yeah, they can go hunt moose and. 25 other units yeah <laughs> <laughs> well including in a couple of the you know then go out to unit 18 where the moose population is the highest density in the, in the entire sure. in the entire state and well, it's, this is per- a general tag this particular one is road accessible it's it's like yeah, it should it's, be it's a, a resident like, tag. like resident tag it's exactly so whatever but that doesn't change my mind i, I still think that we'll see that things, negates but. all those complaints about us residents being unfair to the non-residents <laughs> hey, right i gotta there. get it. Look, look, yeah. we'll just use that as our shining example of <laughs> we go so far to, mm-hmm. to equal out things that we give you a chance to draw our best but most accessible moose day i gotta give a shout out to the transporters that are rack members that charge non-resident a thousand dollars more like yeah, there's a few out. that do yeah, that, are. aren't there? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's right on. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Careful now. Especially to the ones in... in no, I did the shout-out, so they give Bryant's. me a 1,000 even less than residents, right. you know? <laughs> right. Especially the ones that transport Brian Watkins to Yeah, now we're talking. Of, <laughs> in particular areas of the state. Those transports are especially uh, key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what else is what's is it? Pretty it's, much spring bears. It's bear time. It's bear time. Man. I can't oh, tell I you how pumped I am. Holy cow! I, I went was, and bought all my stuff today online, and I was telling around. you before I was See sitting it? in you Wendy's. Got your permits printed out already? No, we can't do that for another oh, couple of weeks. That's yeah. right. April fifteenth. Yeah. Well, you can go get them April first, and then you can't yeah, put yeah. them out till the fifteenth, right? Bought Which all my we're not. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> And you we know, won't be out there the 15th. You don't ever yeah. have any action till May, really. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You know, how much different is it? Like, like uh, this would be a good question because got, I've got the right group to ask it. How much different is it um, for you guys putting stuff out, uh, you know, on the interior and this far north compared to like, like when do you expect, Tyler, to set your generally set your baits and kind of expect things to start happening and and feel like oh i better be i better be set up by then compared to brian down south because this is going to be my first year of running my own bait yeah that Uh, that will 
probably be a di- big difference, you know, yeah. and, from and, here to south of the last. Right, range. and so that's what I saw. So, like, when 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 are you guys up here thinking? All right, we'll we'll expect action by this time, and we better be in the field by when. I usually well, you're kind of dependent. I'm it, dependent you, on the ice going out. Yeah, me and too. It's, oh, because you got to go in with a boat, and it usually goes out around the 25th or 26th of april and then i gotta give it like give it a few days the for ice. the big chunks of ice to flush out and uh so first and so by the by the by, first of may you want if to i can well um usually by the 10th of may mm. if i you know I'm, I'm in good shape if i get that bait in by the 10th of may i'll go basically because these ones i mean there's a lot of people that hunt around there so i try to just get my stuff put in so there's no conflict you know anyway but uh yeah i pretty much get get those put in right away and shoot some beavers because that's right after breakups good time for shooting beavers and the hides are still good they're not chewing on each other yet and uh use the carcasses use the car yeah skin them and then use the carcasses for for bait and uh are you different, think, Nick, um, because you because you don't rely so much on river access? Mine mine is all snow level, so uh, as soon as I can, you know, I've done it before. We're walking in waist deep snow, and um, we still get pictures at the same time every year. So um, I just wait for the the snow to be manageable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of. Yeah, I'm not going to go into more detail, but yeah, I wait for the snow so right. I can walk. Right. Well, and right. one of my. And one of mine that has kind of got handed down to me, we've hunted that thing for long time. My uncle probably 30 years ago yeah. since, you know, the wow. 80s, I think. Right. That spot. And so it's just not going to give that one up. And it's it's a good spot. So I just try to get that in. Usually there's black bears on it within a week. Um, but Well, there was, May, last, there was last year. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if I can get bait out by the, I'll get it out as quick as I can, but usually by about the 10th or 15th of May, there's there's black bears on it, yep. and sometimes grizzlies show up right away, too, usually not, but, yeah. and then the other one's pretty much just a grizzly bait, and it, last year it took a I don't long, think you've ever had a black bear picture on that. I've had like one or two. One, maybe. One, maybe. <laughs> but it's al- almost an exclusive grizzly. It's, it's unbelievable. I can't. I cannot believe that there's never been more than, or I, I'm surprised there's not more black bears on that bait. I've, yeah. That's, that, that particular one is a lot of effort. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, well, it's, and I know some guys that are around there, and they've killed, you know, there's black bears around, but just not at that spot. Crazy. I think it's, Will and I picked that spot strategically. Yeah, for a few reasons. Of, certainly on purpose. Of, you know, four grizzlies. Yeah. And uh, getting a little feedback there. Yeah, is that me? I, 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 I hear it too. But uh, anyway, that spot's been just a killer grizzly and, grizzly spot. It's just such a pain pain in the ass. To, it takes so long to get there. Um, But, I mean, that's the one I shot that grizzly on last year. And I'll, Yeah, it's, it's a good just, spot. It's too good to not put it out it's a fun spot too yeah it is it's it's cool you that's that's going to be the stone point spot again well maybe right wherever maybe. the first one <laughs> first <laughs> decent bear wherever that, shows up first yeah it's uh because you know i see that the if it the that other one just still produces i've shot three grizzlies on that one and you know black bear still with all the people around i still that black bear shot last year was a huge black bear yep. you know there's 
still get good bears in there, so it's worth keeping. But that mountain on your wall is gorgeous. That black bear over there. Oh yeah, that was off that. Stud. I killed that in that spot. That was the first animal I ever killed with a bow. First big game animal. Yeah, I think she nice. Huge. So how how early are you thinking your your baits are getting out down My, down well, south? Yeah, black bears will start coming in May tenth. Um, it's weird down there. We have like, and I, I, a lot of people attribute it to the calving season. Is we'll get like ten days, you know, because a lot of people will start putting them out April fifteenth, right off the road. Right. And we'll get like ten days of you know hit or miss action. They kind of check it out. I don't think they're shit the plug yet and and then two weeks will disappear and then almost like may 15th almost to the day 13th to the 17th bears will start hitting it again and then brown bear starts coming in usually i have black bears from the 15th on and then the brown bears those last two days of may is i take off for work i mean i sit no matter when it falls and luckily labor days end so it works out um but the last two three days of may brown bears start coming in and by the so down there brown bear baiting or brown bear hunting stops may 31st that's right yeah yeah it's a weird one but um, same uh, the unit that we're sitting in right now ends the may 31st too and a lot of people get sad because <laughs> yeah last year june 5th it's just, so, it's so, just firing up right so yeah. here's something i learned um i was aware of it It was actually that stupid onyx maps that i didn't realize that across the river from where that the bait is where i shot the bear with my stone point yeah that's a different unit that closes may 31st i'll be damned that that's the, the right there the river is the boundary i did not oh, wow. i thought it was both sides were that same unit but no it's not holy shit so some people would be pretty interested to find that out because they're probably shooting wow good point <laughs> shooting bears were after after they should be yeah well i mean i that's all speculation sure. but but i if you don't know you like i didn't know uh, that the the boundary followed that river because yeah. you know people the i don't know how, how to because as things are described a lot of times by names of rivers and banks and banks drainages and drainages well sometimes what the map says isn't what everybody calls it and oh good point it's so the sometimes map- things change over the years where all of a sudden this river don't run that yeah the slough changes anymore. or whatever this isn't a slough anymore it's the actual river sure pushing through there that's interesting so i just thought that was <laughs> that was a thing that came up the board of games skelac lake uh i don't know the whole area but like the north side the sloughs change so much that the area is kind of variable to where you can hunt <laughs> and somehow it had affected swans or something there was this big debate i didn't know what was going on you know i had just walked in and it was Jeez. eight in the morning on a saturday but yeah speaking of swans the state's been trying to get I think tundra swans it failed. Up. Yeah, that's. They, no, well, did been, it fail? Because they, I, I think they've been trying to do it for a long time. But at least the the version I heard of the story was the feds keep, yeah, saying they got to study them or something like. There's <clears> so <throat> just. What yeah, it, it was. By? I don't remember the vote. But <coughs> it failed. I saw that it was interesting. It was like all oh, trumpeter swans or whatever they were. I don't yeah. tundra, know I which tund- tundra, tundra swans. swans. Yeah. yeah, and I guess the only way to tell the difference. I don't know anything about swans, but is when Beak. they honk. Some of them um, have a black beak and some have an orange beak. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It you could be the way they honk. I don't know. <laughs> I do know that uh different swans have different colored beaks and uh I think you can I think you can hunt the ones with the black beak. I know in like in Utah or wherever the hell yeah. they're shooting in the lower 48. Well, there's some, there's, I think there's some units out, All the way out north west. You can. Yeah, west. Yeah, yeah, west. That, that you, you can, can hunt them? Hunt them. Mm-hmm. I've harvested a couple in South Dakota. Black beak or, yeah. I think there's, there's a draw tag for them up here too. I think that you're thinking emperor goose that they just put oh, in. Yeah, there, yep. But I'm not a big emperor bird goose hunter. is draw for non-residents. It's, Correct. We can get one a year, which I think is cool. That's I mean, like that's cool. a success story, you know, because they were basically endangered, weren't they? Oh, really? I don't yeah. know anything about them. Yeah, I just knew I've cool never heard looking, anything about them. Cool looking they bird start popping up. We can kill these now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cool looking bird. I was oh, talking yeah. to Jeremy about them the other day. Yeah, they they do some late season hunts for those, and it's. It's a kind of a destination bird for hardcore waterfowlers. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind really of like cool King thing. Eider because it's, it, I mean, literally, I think they just a couple of years ago just opened it up because they were threatened or yeah. or whatever. And It'd be fun to do Jeremy's it. Getting a, like getting a lot of cool stuff going. It'd be fun to do a, a big waterfall trip. Like I'm not really into it, but it'd be fun to go collect a bunch of different birds like that. I would and, be down just yeah. if it's after. Like that's the thing yeah, up yeah. here is hunting big game season is the same as bird season. Well, I think so. you could go to Cold well, Bay later go, on or that's something. That's what I'm or, saying. Or that would Cole, be Because awesome. Jeremy with um, is he doing Jeremy out of Kodiak? Rogue Expeditions. Yeah, he does it right out of Kodiak. Yeah, that'd be fun. He, he, he finished town and, this last year. His last, their last goose hunt was January 25th. Oh wow! So like from from Christmas to January twenty fifth, I think each of those he did like three or four day hunts each of those weekends. So see that'd be fun. I mean that's totally off season. I've I've got a friend from South Dakota where I, uh, where I grew up who's a like a hardcore waterfowler and he's got um, he's come up here a couple of times and he called me as soon as you could hunt those things. He called yeah. me to ask me if if I knew anybody. It was the last goose that he needed and I think he's got whatever it is, 35 or 36 duck species and seven or Man. nine goose species. Jeez. But it's like, it's around 40 birds huntable from Florida, you know, from basically from Florida to ADAC. He's been um, everywhere, wow. everywhere in North America. And he's that's got, a little bit more involved. Than yeah. yeah. But it's a cool collection. Yeah, you know, cool. he's got a, you know, his trophy rooms like the size of this room and there's all these, but every one of them's different. It's really cool. Wow. Um, He'd probably be pissed. What's a trumper? He's like, yeah. oh, I'll get yelling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure I'm hearing all about it from the guys back home. Because <laughs> there's a lot of waterfowling that goes on there. You can get a swan tag. Just, oh, you know, you can just apply and get one, but, um, but that is that would be fun. I agree with you, Nick. I, I, I don't do know. It. I'd go out of my way to do it, but in the off season, yeah, if the price was right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe consider sure. it. It'd be a fun time, but, I think. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Someday I'd like to get out king eider hunting. Yeah, that'd be fun. Me too. It would be. I that ta- cold I bay ta- looks to that fun. Same friend about cold it. bay has more fucking birds than you can shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm telling you, it's yeah. unbelievable. That's where that's where my buddy from South Dakota oh. went to get his king eider, and uh, he basically told me which sounded consistent with what i know about the peninsula and and hunts up here but he said pretty much the worst experience of his life as yeah, far as weather and seasick and just yeah, you could, to the you could do it all uh, you could do it from with foot um and go to cold bay and stay really? and and not even have a boat and i think that you'd probably be successful on several species yeah yeah, he he said he a long walk, but I I saw we were brown bear hunting and I saw a guy just taking people walking out oh, there to go like, set up along the shore. Yeah, and they just had decoys in their backpack and stuff and walking out and they'd stop and talk to you and they're like, yeah, we're just going out here to duck hunt or whatever the hell they're doing and you look at the water and it's just peppered with 
with birds. And then before dark, just un- unbelievable. Cool. <laughs> I don't know, million birds. So wow. Well, they got Brant out there too. Sure. Those yeah. are supposedly, yeah, supposedly pretty good eating. Yeah, be fun. Uh, I don't know if they make waterfowl that's that good eating. It's that good eating. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. They're, they're, oh, it's all how you cook it. <laughs> they're they're awful neat looking. That's for sure. Yeah, pretty birds. Yeah, I've never been that great of a shotgun of a wing shooter. You don't shoot skeet. Never shot skeet. No, or I mean like that, or I, I trap do. Or? I do good shooting. Shooting. You know, sporting clays and yeah, skeet and stuff. But I'm terrible. I don't know. I guess. I think I have a. I've always when I, I just don't do a lot of it. Right. So thinking back on when I was a kid doing, I think I would just get too excited not be able to pick. I wasn't very good at picking out a single bird. Once I learned, or to, like you know, down one time I remember flush some sharp tail. I saw a few sharp tails and this like low brush off the road. Go out there, all right. You know, flush like maybe five or six of them. Boom! And the whole like two hundred of them, and I didn't hit another bird. I shot I think one. Yeah, you got to definitely pick out a bird. But once I learned to shoot the furthest one away first, oh, you, yeah. you want to shoot the close one. Yeah. But shoot the one that you can hit that's furthest away. Then you're going to start shooting doubles first time and triples. I'm goose hunting with my brother. <laughs> boom! 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 I shot like as many times as I could. He's like, "Which one did you shoot?" I said, "All of them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did a lot of goose hunting in kansas and a lot of duck hunting and stuff and then same in idaho and i when there was nothing else to do i was all about it but i i'm not i'm not going out of my way during hunting season that's so. how even people <laughs> I do growing up all about football now it's because in pennsylvania you couldn't hunt on sundays sure oh, so yeah. up here it's like people are like oh you watch the steelers no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, see, I, and i grew you know growing up down in color i played football was obsessed mm-hmm. with football and as a kid now i could give a rat's no. ass yeah <laughs> so, you know and what's funny is it was frank was pointed this out guys that are you know guys gals whatever that are like super into into watching pro sports but football in this example it's like oh i think we need to do this this year and as it's like what, what are you talking about we there's no we <laughs> Yeah. But you know, oh, yeah. we're we're doing good. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, you're not part of that team. <laughs> I, I love the Packers, but uh, I don't watch them near as no, much dude, as I, was I used dedicated. to. Dedicated. I yeah. could tell you every person yeah. on the roster. I actually got kicked out in eighth grade because I grew up in Philly, but I was a Pittsburgh fan. And one of my <laughs> math teachers was like, "Guarantee you can't name five people." I said, "I'll name the whole fucking roster." <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and the next thing I know, I'm out of the class. Mm. I was like, "Ah, oh, well, shit. see, that's how that's how I was when I was a kid. Like, I could probably name." more Broncos play like more Broncos players on I guarantee I can name more of them that were on their starting lineup it was yeah right yeah the the Super Bowl the first Super Bowl they won yeah and, it was and against the that. Packers wasn't it yeah it, yeah, was. it was yeah I remember that and, I mean like I went to These fucking kids went, were showing up to this small little town in Wisconsin was showing up at Bronco jerseys you get beat they, up oh, they got curb stop <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we're in grade school we're but, fucking playing dodgeball taking headshots yeah, I was it. <laughs> but yeah I mean it was yeah it was a serious business back then you know yeah. and, but I I freaking i couldn't name one guy that plays for him now i, yeah. I just i'll watch i like watch them yeah. when it comes up but i don't go out of my way it just right. doesn't in, matter in anymore. january how'd peyton manning do he retired <laughs> two years ago oh no. shit <laughs> john elway's not he's still <laughs> yeah. chucking it for him yeah. no it, 
yeah don't yeah. watch a whole lot of football anymore well, that's one thing about uh about living up here there's no uh there's no taking the, the i'll hunt in the morning and take the afternoon off to watch football yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a little more dedication that was hard yeah. to adjust to growing up and then you know everywhere else i've lived i had the opportunity to you know go hunt in the evening on a weekday and yeah now man I, I can't do it unless unless i go with tyler at the close bait you know we can hunt in the weekday evening but if yeah. we shoot one we ain't getting home till sun Four comes o'clock in the morning yeah <laughs> right. or five right. yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah. it's and that, that was a big deal for me too because i mean that until we moved up here i never on a hunting trip spent a night out mm-hmm. yeah like we would get yeah. up early go hunt the morning before school or whatever sure. and yeah. that's like and i think a lot of people down in the state you know whether they're traveling up here hunt or just you know hear us talking about it like yeah, it's a it's yeah. a totally different it's world. an expedition yeah i mean, I mean they're and i say like logistics are everything they're yep they are everything everything i was very lucky to have i you know be able to live in idaho and get you know get my feet wet doing that kind of stuff spending the night out learn how to do multi-day hunt stuff like that before i came up here because if i would just came up here and had to you know immediately adapt or fail yeah. you know, not having any of the backcountry stuff and it would have been tough for yeah. sure and i think yeah, a lot of people underestimate that's a little bit of the boat i'm in which is why like hooking up with other residents and rack people and people that have been doing it i mean i, I knew a little bit and i'd been on a couple of hunts but but it's the logistics are everything logistics are everything and understanding what it means i mean understanding what it means to um go out for two nights knowing that that could be seven nights uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. you plan seven or not sure. or or you know or or going out um thinking that the weather was going to be 55 degrees and that uh, a two-season tent was going to be fine and learning that it was no it was 27 yeah. degrees and it was 14 inches of snow and really four season gear is what you needed <laughs> friend, yeah you, you just know, learned to you just, deal with you, it you work with it yeah i mean it's my first trip up here we were taking a canoe oh, i can't kite. wait to hear oh, this it was bad not he's got some crazy fucking stories no this, this isn't a crazy one <laughs> I, I think most of brian's hunting is turns into a crazy no, fucking this, story this one i wasn't even hiking we were going across i didn't know anybody when we moved up here so i joined this meetup group where they did hikes and they were like oh we're gonna kayak across kenai lake and i'm like oh that sounds like a great time so i show up i got blue jeans and a sweatshirt on <laughs> And this guy, he's he's hiked McKinley every decade of his life. I can't remember his name, Tom something or other, but he's a mountain like the mountaineering club president. This dude's a badass. And so I get out of the truck. He's like, "All right, grab your gear." And I grab a like school bag backpack. I'm like, "Ah, oh, I'm ready to go." He's like, "What?" He's like, "You know, cotton kills, right?" I'm like, "I don't know what the hell that means." All right, let's go. So I get in. I got my tennis shoes on. I go to get in the kayak. He's like, "Where are your boots?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, dude, I don't got boots yet. Like, just moved up here." He's like, "Oh my god." He's like, "How are you gonna get in the water?" I was like, oh, "I'll just take my socks off and hike my pants up." You know, this is glacier water. It's like probably thirty-three degrees. I get in this thing. He's like, "Man, you're crazy." I get in. So my feet, without socks on, because I couldn't tell this guy didn't bring fucking boots. Without socks on, my feet are on the bottom of this plastic kayak on glacier water frozen solid i'm shivering and this guy comes up who's just a savage of a person you know he's like how you feeling i said oh, i feel good he's like wow <laughs> meanwhile i want to cry my feet are about to fall off like we get there i build a fire like this thing's raging he's like oh you're like fire so i'm like yup oh, it was hard that was my first experience up and not even a that's a day excursion yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah that kind of sums up 
the the difference between there and here. If you're yeah. dumb, you better be tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just like my brother said, you call it a shit because you're stupid. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stubborn. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some it's of that a steep, stuff. That, steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get you get a couple guys that don't want to will won't ever concede that or yeah whatever. Like my uncle Tracy, I knew a guy that was good buddy of his like little guy and was packing this elk off the mountain to just knees shaking and and he said you want me to help you that said i will drop dead <laughs> i will die on this mountain before you carry an ounce before you go tell it anyone you packed out my elk yeah that's oh. my first well first fly out i did a bear but then and then a goat but my first moose fly out we shot two moose me and my buddy court and uh, one was a mile and a quarter. The other one was a mile and a half. Oh. Both 500 feet elevation gain. I was miserable. I mean, absolutely. Like, my body hurts. So I get back and, and I mean, I, I you couldn't stand up for a couple of days. Your body hurt so bad. But then I saw somebody post online, my daughter was carrying a 40-pound backpack to school. And that's just not right. You know, <laughs> that, that's not right. They make her cake carry that and i was like i'm gonna kill somebody like, <laughs> you know, i can't even get out of bed like a nine-year-old crippled guy oh man yeah those that's a that's a pretty far distance from camp to be oh shooting yeah loose. yeah it was bad fun i mean i was Shit. 22 so you know i was stubborn and strong I, i'm not 22 and ours last fall was 1.68 oh. one way up but oh. it was in the hell one, of a bull one it 1.68 yeah. miles. Yeah, 1.68 miles. And, and the bad thing was it was uh, it was only about uh, a third of a mile from the edge of the water where we could have then paddled a mile and a half back to camp. And the morning that we shot the bull, a beaver destroyed our pack raft. Oh, <laughs> so so what would have been a third of a mile over to the water and a and a paddle on a number of trips turned into. Two days, eight round trips, two guys, 1.6 Good question. Shit. Was the cool. beaver in season? Uh, I sat on the bank across from the hut for the next two days because <laughs> I was too sore to go moose hunting. So I sat there with my bow trying, <laughs> trying to kill that thing and never did get a shot at him. But, yeah, um, yeah, that's a long ways, but you're right. Nick. It rough. was, uh, you know, my buddy went home with a. 230 inch moose yeah he it's a fucking boon and crack of bull yeah oh, wow 60 68 and a half inches just a, yeah just a stomper just of a, a pig bull. um you just could not shoot him there as it, we saw him i'm like kill him kill him it doesn't matter we'll, we'll figure it out we'll, we'll take a mistake at a time kill him but two days is what it took to pack him back we he shot the bull at 7 30 at night and where we were it was getting dark at about 8 30 so we got some pictures real quick and then started breaking it down and we were done completely breaking it down game bagged up caped uh caped completely off the skull at about 3 a.m and and i said you know what let's just you take um i had my bow he had his rifle um we had enough gear that if we had to stay overnight because we were we were a mile from camp that we could i said you take you take all the stuff and both weapons and I'll take about 50 pounds of meat and let's get back to the camp and kind of regroup and rest. So, so that night 
um, we made that trip. So I had, you know, I took both back straps. And did uh, you move stuff away from the carcass or anything? No, or? no. You know where we were. We had been there four days, and we hadn't seen a bear or bear sign. We hadn't seen. That's good. We That's saw good. a little bit of wolf uh, sign, but it was old. And um, they told us that there was not. Uh, the transporter had told us you won't see a. You know, the, we've There's, seen like three brown bears. Yeah. The, three brown bears in five or six years, and he said a black barrel stumbled through, but it's pretty rare. So. The unit you you were hunting, uh, there, yeah, there's just not a whole hell of a lot of yeah, bears. No. I mean, honestly, in the hour before dark, the birds didn't even show up. Wow. Really. Um, and so, so we weren't worried about that. So we just spread it out nice, which was nice. We could get it out and get it airing, airing yep. out because it was warm, like it was everywhere during moose it was season. Very hot. But so, yeah. so that night we made it back. It was about 4.30 when we made it to camp, so we slept in a little bit. We slept in until like 9 and got organized, and, and, and then we made three trips that day. Back and, three trips that day back and forth, and then the next day we made two more meat trips, and the last trip we, we went back, I carried the cape, and we started to carry the horns out, and my buddy... My buddy's one of those friends that, because he was been my best hunting buddy for 30 years, I took him on a moose hunt. But I told him several times during the hunt, you realize that you're not anybody I'd ever choose to go moose hunting with. <laughs> because he, 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 he couldn't, you know, he... he he, he couldn't pack a bunch. And he told me, you know, he said, you know. Man, I'd have been like, you know, them European mounts look pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Well, so we we carried the, so he car- we started to carry the horns back, and they were so, he was having so much trouble. He was, he said, well, I, I don't, I'm not going to put this thing in a book, even though I know it'll make the book. I'm, his dad's a taxidermist, so he said, my dad can fix this. We chopped it. We just cut it down to a skull plate, and then we cut it in half oh. and st- and stacked them on, on his pack. Otherwise, he didn't think he was going to be able to get them back. And I said, I'm not carrying the cape and then coming back and getting the horns. So I carried the cape, and uh, and and he carried the horns, and we got back to we got back to the camp right at dark. So at about eight thirty the second night, and that was our eighth round trip. Not counting oh. that. Not counting that first fifty pounds. And later, when the transporter picked us up. Um, I had one of those biggest size fish boxes that that I had brought some food, some of our food out in, and I took the styrofoam liner out of it and put. I had that put that cape in a in a garbage bag just so it wouldn't leak to fly it home and put it in there. And that box ended up weighing seventy six pounds. Just the cape. No, just, I believe that. Just believe the cape. That. And we and I had. I bet I the had, fucking horns. Ever, I bet the horns were flesh a big moose cape. I, I had spent a little bit of time fleshing it. You know, get in, and it was. I, I'm no. You know, uh, I'm not particularly good at that by any means. But I've, I've skinned hundreds of deer and, and antelope and whatnot, and so I've spent a bunch of time, and so I got it at least semi-prepped yeah. to try and get as much weight down, but still that fish box weighed. So I suppose, you know, I think it was 74, 76 pounds. So, you know, what the box was two or three pounds, but it was, it was right at 70 that's pounds. Hef- that's just, a hefty. Just that's the, about right. Just no, the cape. Yeah. And I think the, I think the horns were every bit or more. Yeah. I would, that. I would guess they were it, it was, equal to or more. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. it was unbelievable. The bases were, I mean, like 13 inches or 12, <laughs> some, some ridiculous thing. It's just, it's ridiculous how big this moose was, but uh, yeah, not at all recommended um, over a mile and a half from camp. Not, yeah, I tell a, anybody said so don't. No, was, uh, I'll tell anyone oh, don't shoot him. 
Yeah. Don't shoot him a mile off the river or whatever. You know. I, now I feel like my grandpa like, never <clears throat> shoot him unless he could back the truck up. Yeah. To <laughs> I, yeah. I I feel like maybe I you know last last fall the the guy that a good hunting partner of mine went moose hunting with me and. You know, if I'd have let him, he'd have killed one five miles away yeah. Yeah. for sure. And, you know, I'm just like, we can see a long ways right here from camp. I said, if we can't see him from here, we we, we don't need to be wandering around. And she, he he would have done it. Especially you know, where yeah. you're at. You yeah. can call him up, up to you. Yeah. You're at a little high spot, right? Yeah, it's and nice. that's a, the nice tough thing with, with moose hunting and how it's a little different. You know, I mean, we can afford to be stupid and do stuff for these where sheep. You, you can pack it all out in one know, trip. You can pack it all out, but... Moose, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, we were seeing a, a couple lot of close call. Well, like that first bull I killed, it wasn't that far, but it was like five hundred yard pack in you know, and he dropped in almost top of your hip boots water. Yeah, that's no fun either. And yeah. that that experience cemented like put oh, right. it is. I shoot this <clears throat> thing, we're gonna think about how we're gonna get him. Out. It is nice taking care of moose in water, though. That we it killed one be, last yeah. year with my friend Darvo who, who passed away this winter, but it was his last moose and yeah. he, he was seventy five years old and he's killed a pile and we shot one in the water and he he wasn't in any condition to take care of it, but he's like, Nick, this will be the easiest animal you ever take care of and he was right because you can move that thing around. We didn't uh take any of the hide off. We made all the cuts with the hide on and so kept all the meat clean except for, you know, what you cut through. But when it came time to flip them and move them in the water, it was no problem. In some ways, yeah. Like well, you I can, think you that, could manipulate it. Yeah, you could move them by yourself instead of you know, like if you shoot a big bull well, <laughs> on hard ground, you can't. You're I not really doing a whole lot. Yeah, I used P-cord to tie it to a bush once, and that thing snapped. I thought, <laughs> oh man, I almost got kicked by a dead moose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just well, that I didn't kill one this last year. The year before that one, I. It was nice, able to just pull the... Well, he died right in a big bush, like with his antlers. Yeah. Got the four-wheeler up to him, and, you know, you can after mani- I shot him, I went over there and found him, and then went back, got the wheeler unloaded, and found a way to get it to him, and just use that yank to- him out, and then use my winch to hook it onto one of his legs to get him over on his back and keep him there so we sure. can work on it, you know. Yeah. I gotta, but you can still do it, but it's just a ginormous pain in the ass. Yeah. I got oh, a yeah. good moose story for you guys. It's a little bit different than carrying meat, but when we shot those two bulls, so we killed the first bull and, you know, we're quartering him up and I saw his pee sack was full of pee and I'm like, man, you know, it's just kicking into rut. So I'm like, going to cut that thing off. Tie it up top, you know, tie it off, It'll keep the pee sack, and we're going to spray it around, cover our scent when we walk anywhere. Great idea. Until <laughs> I got this pee sack, right, and I pop a little hole in it, and I'm putting it up in the tree while my knot was not very good. <laughs> I smelled like moose piss for four days. It was nice horrible. Ruddy bowl. Yeah, I'm like p- putting it up in the tree, and then that knot comes undone and just sprays me covered me oh. covered in moose piss i did shoot a wolf so maybe that helped shoot the wolf because it smelled like a moose but i don't know that is that is the alaskan golden shower right oh there. it was foul oh i got in that plane i flew out with toke air and zach's like what the and i'm like dude my bad like, <laughs> you're lucky he let you get in the plane yeah uh, it was foul yeah that's uh that's not good well on our situation um you know I knew that there wasn't bears in the area. I, it was it was it was cool enough at night. We were able to get it done. 
Um, yeah, shit. I, every every situation. I, I knew it was a bucket list trip for my buddy, and I was like, "That's a moose of ten lifetimes. You better just just kill it." And I figured, well, my hunt's over, but we'll, we'll figure I, it out. We'll just commit to figuring it out. And it's a good and, hunting partner. Yeah. So, so we did it, and he's he's been grateful ever since, and and so that's fine. I get to hunt moose every year, and he was going to get to hunt moose one year, yep. and. I mean, it was the bull of a number of lifetimes. It was yeah. it was a monster. So yep. not uh, many two hundred and thirty inch bulls shot. Man, that's a big bull. Yeah, I figured if we had to <laughs> if we had to limp it back to camp, we did we would and we did and and at the time it wasn't worth it. In retrospect, you know, time heals all those things, and I <laughs> I'd probably for the same size of moose shoot one a mile and a half from camp again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes you got you want to wonder how many opportunities sometimes you you may have had if you just said screw it push the envelope a little and and pushed it you know be well i mean i've said that before like just being willing to spend a night Mm -hmm. up on the mountain or or whatever and it's it kind of goes back to that mentality of just a different it's a different ball game up here like where you you know what are you willing to do? Yeah, yeah. that's goat hunters talking moose hunting. They're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. that same hunting buddy, uh, he and I speak of that often because growing up together in South Dakota, we would we would we hunted a lot of whitetails. He was from the eastern part of the state, so I would go to him and and we would hunt whitetails and and uh, he would come out west and we'd chase some whitetails, but a lot of spot stock mule deer. And um, on average. I probably two for one him, you know, shooting deer. Um, he shot some good deer. I shot some good deer. But I but usually I was I was more successful and and I I always you know over time figured out that the difference was um, uh, that you know we'd see a deer on a hillside three miles away and I'd be like I think that's a buck that, that looks <laughs> yeah. that, that looks like a buck and not look where he is if he just stays right in that little cut he's probably stockable let's go and my buddy would be like. You don't even know if it's a buck. We're not walking three miles. It's going to take us an hour and a half to get there, and then you don't even know if it's a buck, and yeah, that's not yeah. going to worry. Let's just stay right here. We'll see what comes, you know, talking about you don't know what opportunities you missed. Well, I'm more of the Brian's mentality. I'm just too stupid to figure out, well, if I just sit here, I won't kill my, you know, because three-fourths yeah. of the time I walk over there, and it, and it's either a two-point or it's a doe or whatever, yeah. and, it, and it's a total waste of time. But sometimes every <laughs> once in a while – it was a 175-inch mule deer that was laying there in that perfect spot to stalk, and I walked up and stuck an arrow in it. And then and then he would get all over me for, for being more successful. And I'm like, dude, if you walk that walk 10 times, one of them's likely to turn out. Now, nine of them, you're likely to just have sore feet and cactus in your ass and, and a you know, big waste of time. But if you're willing to walk over there all 10 times, odds are maybe, maybe yeah. one of them's going to work yeah. out. And if it does... And and up here, that's the same thing, you know. If, well, if you it's finding the balance, I think, between yeah decisions that. You well, make. yeah. Though the older I get, the less the the more likely I'm to do it smarter. Although a lot of times I just err on the stupid side and go. That's the way to do it, man. If you can do it, just do it. You're yeah, stronger than you think you yeah, are. It's nice. Yeah. Shoot first, ask questions later. You can back it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, there's. There's some planning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and granted, I am a little more careful, and I'm not typically hunting like really big bull moose areas, so I don't give a shit. Like mm-hmm. first one with it's brown, it's down, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so I can afford to be a little more picky and and whatnot, cheap and stuff like that. It's just like, 
oh, we'll worry about it later. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we'll get. You know, you just can't. Sometimes, so there's times when you just can't think. You just got to go into it open ended. You can't be like, all right, we're just going to go up in this basin. If there's nothing there, then now we're done. Guess well, we're going home. No, you know, it just doesn't work like how that. How many of your You're sheep? Gonna- how many of your sheep hunts have you planned? Had some kind of okay, we're going to go here, and that's ten miles, or we're going to go here, and that's twelve miles, and. 20 odd miles later you come out with a sheep well quite a few of them <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of what i figured is from listening to you and, and and knowing some of those stories i mean that's just uh you know if you would have planned well i think i can make it to this area so we're going to go there and i'm going to hunt that and then you went in there and went well this was the plan and the sheep aren't here so i guess we're going to have to go you know or or the only sheep i see from here are those ones that are five miles away and boy i wasn't planning on going that extra foot you know that yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, we might run out of food if we go there, or if if we might not be able to walk out the way we thought we were gonna walk out if we go there. So you just say, oh, "Screw it, I'm not gonna go." Mm, yeah, most of the time, you go, yeah, and you like, say, "Ah, we'll get over there." Most of the time, it's just it like, "Man, this is gonna suck." <laughs> <laughs> well, like last year, you know, that ended up the rams I spotted that got me my sheep because I was moving towards, I was working on getting on top of that ridge and running down that's was where a, you were headed yeah i was headed down there and it was a nasty ridge they were four miles away every bit of that and i could just see that two of the rams in the there was like four or five i think five rams in the group and two of them i could see pretty good mass at their three-quarter curl from four miles away i'm yeah. like yeah there's some I'm potential and i know there's going to be more rams in there you know down there because you can only see just slivers of that country at one sure. from one spot so um well yeah. that that's exactly what happened then right you started that direction yeah started that and way. there and there were more sheep yep yep walked right into me so that was check that one off the off the box it was a pretty yeah pretty cool this kind of had to make the snap decision well that's guess he's good here it wasn't good enough i thought he would make 40 and i just misjudged him but well when they're uh, when they're laying down 100 yards from you i misjudged mine and it almost made 40 yeah (laughs) (laughs) it made me disgusted yeah that wasn't thing over i mean barely full curl and it was 39 and a half was it that wasn't ground shrinkage that was ground gainage it was a big ram just those heavy ones that aren't you know they're deep and they're not. You know they they're don't know. Fancy. They're not fancy. They they'll fool you. Yeah, yeah. That's how those Chugach rams are, man. They they drop so far that they don't make full curl very much. Yep. I I still don't know enough of enough about those, but uh, this last weekend I was over at Lou Bradley's house and uh, looking at sheep horns, and I was like, wow, some of the some of these rams. See, I'd look at them and guess, and then he'd tell me what they were. And, I was wasn't close on hardly any of them, well, and I just uh, got a nice nice collection of sheep. Um, I don't know. Between the two rooms, he had fifty five sets of sheep horn. Wow, what? fifty sets of sheep horn, something like Man. that. Jeez, all dolls or all sorts of stuff. All doll sheep. What? Who is this guy? <laughs> so, if you guys don't know Lou, Lou, uh, come come to the uh, Alaska Bowhunters Banquet, and you'll get to meet Lou. Lou wrote that three-volume series book. Rampages. Oh. Rampages. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, All right. Uh, 
uh, I believe I won't have my numbers exactly right. You go to his website, go to Rampage's website, and it has the statistics there. But I'm pretty sure that that Lou has shot forty doll sheep or close to it, and I'm pretty sure he's shot ten or more forty inches. Yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. His house is unbelievable. He has a he has a pickup set that he found that one side's broomed off and it's 186 184 Man. and it's and it's broomed you um, guys should bring those to and, the, the and, and it was with banquet. a it, it was with a ram he said it was with a ram he saw um he saw them both alive and then the next year he found the one dead and he found the small one wow and it's and it's 184 cool. with one side one side broom That's but he nuts. had uh, he has he has all these sheep a bunch of them mounted and then a bunch of them just euro mounts and then just horns all over the place and then he also is a carver so he he had beautiful carvings and so he's got all these horns that he's carved and all this stuff it's just a gorgeous house rock collections fossil collections a, a wonderful man and I, just the knowledge he had you know he's forgot three lifetimes worth of stuff that I could never experience yeah. or remember but and so he gave me this wonderful tour and told me about all these sheep but uh uh yeah he he pursued these two big sheep and and then ended up shooting this great you know 40 some inch ram but he had he had a bunch of them there that a oh. bunch of them that were that were <coughs> yeah there's a few inches. there's a few of those guys around usually don't that, that's right unless you know them you yeah know. they don't publicize yeah <laughs> he he lives on a hill in palmer in a nice house and yeah, whatever. But that book is that book is incredible. We're going to have a set of them uh, that we auction off at the. Uh, he he was gracious gracious enough to to give us one of those sets that now is almost. Oh, I was almost, I was wondering what I was going to buy at this all, banquet. All, yeah. Almost, <laughs> it's, it's all, uh, there. He's got. It was a huge undertaking, and it's, all three books. It's three books. A hard volume set comes in a comes in a case. Tells the sheep stories <sighs> of. Um, it, it's incredible. Tells the sheep stories of 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 dozens and dozens and dozens of sheep. Yeah. Tells it's broken out by um, uh, there. There are chapters on different specific hunters. There are chapters on different uh, mountain ranges. Like one thing, he just as I was pulling up to his house, a guy was leaving his house, and there's this set of sheep horns on his uh, on his kitchen counter. That was, and, and you'll know exactly what this is about. Um, he said, "Oh, that's one of those stumpy rams." Oh yeah. And so it's a ram from the whites, you know, with those the little. And so he said, "Yeah, a guy guy shot this last year and uh, brought it brought it over. To, he just gave it to me um, because he knows I kind of I'm kind of fond of these." And he so then he opens up one of the volumes and he shows me the chapter on those and he's got a bunch of stories of those and he explains to me, um, you know, what that phenomenon is and how those rams kind of develop and what happens to their core and how they grow like that and and he knows all the biology of it but the the book has a whole bunch dozens of those things in there in that one chapter and pictures but he alone had a bunch of sets uh, of those horns there that and he knew the story for each one of them that's awesome it's completely sounds a lot like being able to spend an afternoon or an evening at Jack's house or Frank's freaking uh, yes, hangar or something yes, like that. Like, yes. And you then, really appreciate moments like that where you get to sit down and talk to these guys that just have just so much knowledge and oh, so yeah. much experience. He told me, the, he told me the, the, of the story of the first sheep he shot when he was stationed down there 
Um, he came up here in the military. He was stationed there. He used to hike up Eagle River, and he said, I don't understand why these these people weren't hunting. He said, I could walk, I could just walk right there into the Chugach and see bands of 10, 20 rams, all these sheep that you could walk right into. Thanks. And of course, it was an over-the-counter tag. You just get the tag. And he said, no one was hunting these sheep. And uh, in 1968, he walks up and shoots a sheep on, on the glacier there, and it falls uh, it falls out on the edge of a, this, you know, glacier and this cliff. And, you know, I won't do this story justice, but the end of the story is the sheep dies there. It's his first sheep. He's a young military guy, and he's sitting there, and he can't figure out what to do. And it's about 50 feet out onto this thing, and the sheep's about five feet from if it goes over the edge it's a thousand foot drop and it's ice that 50 feet is just ice out to the sheep sounds and, like your go and he was so he was so <laughs> he was so torn whether of leaving this first sheep he said well i just decided i was going to go get it so i sat down and i carved a hole in a little a little uh, foothold in the ice and stood in that foothold and then i carved another one and he said i just carved footholes out the 50 feet to that sheep cut it gingerly cut it in half <laughs> turned around and traced my steps and got half of it back walked out there got half of it back he said in retrospect if i would have missed one step I'd have, I'd have been a dead man and he said i was just young and stupid but by god that sheep was pretty neat and he said been hooked ever since and he said so every year i'd get me an over-the-counter sheep tag and walk into the chugach and there was there was more rams than you knew what to do with. Makes you want to cry uh, thinking about all the opportunity that yeah, was available back yeah. then. And he said, yeah. he said every once in a while, he said, I'd I'd see some of these young military guys would go in there, and, and it was just the very rare guy that would hunt more than two days, and they'd get frustrated. And um, he said that was back in the days when you'd walk in and you'd see him down there, and you'd hear a bunch of shots, and so you'd go talk to him to see what they shot. And they hadn't shot anything. They were just done hunting, and rather than carry their ammunition out, they just <laughs> they just shoot it all up, so they didn't have to pack it out because the military was giving them. You know, they were using their their issue rounds or whatever, and so so he said, I never understood that, but there wasn't much for good hunters back then. <laughs> you know, and and he said, what an interesting guy. I yeah, mean, um, but but the. Um, I mean, the book sets retail for. I think you can get one if if. Oh, let's he, not talk about had, what they retail. Yeah, if he hasn't, <laughs> if if he hasn't sold out, um, yeah, they're, but they're. Uh, it's a cool set. Oh, it's it's it's, yep. it's one of those things that once you read it, you you'll you'll be eager to finish it so you can start reading it again. Yep. Guys, I got to tell you the truth. I shot that goat dead first shot. I shot six more times so I didn't have to pack my ammo out. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, but, but for the uh, blood running down your face from the second or third yeah. shot, I'd believe that story. But I don't. Uh, I'm not buying it. So yeah, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you guys all made it over. It's uh, yeah. Always, I wish we. Heck yeah. That's the one thing sucks about living so far apart. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Trev Trevor was real mad that he couldn't make. It. He's like, oh, is this the podcast that you uninvited me to? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. He's just oh, joking, man. but yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. I've been great catching up with you guys and hearing about that hunt. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to have a 
Springberry. I'm sure you guys will have a number of those, but uh, oh, spring, yeah. uh, if nothing else, a couple Springberry recaps. It's, Bears uh, are cruising for a bruise in this spring. Oh, it's on. It's on. <laughs> I heard. I heard you. Everybody's I heard excited. you and Matt talking about it. You're like, I'm just gonna get into them this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, Light them up. <laughs> gonna have to. It's gonna be exciting. Not enough so. stuff's died recently, except yeah. for apparently, uh, you know, half a river full of pike. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's just a taste. So. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. thanks, guys. And uh, all right. Thanks for listening. And if uh, you have any questions or comments, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. And uh, appreciate it if you leave a good review on whatever uh, platform you listen on. Thanks.